All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance What's good? Eddie on TV. So excited to be here for episode 93. Man, it has been a uh, it's been a fun night getting to this point, needless to say. We've yeah. had some uh with the with the whole, you know, going back and forth uh it, it, with different studios and switching things up, man. We've been all over the place. Uh nevertheless, <laughs> with the with the grace of our our crew and Gat getting some things operated and situated for us. We're, we're able to put together an awesome show tonight. Hopefully it'll be awesome for you guys, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And for all of our uh, normal live streamers and our YouTubers and, and, and uh, OG podcasters, thank you so much for allowing us to play a small portion in your weekly routine. We thank you so much for being here. We thank you so much for uh, hanging tough with us. Um, it has been a trying time in the world, but we are glad to give you guys sports content because I know that is why we're all here because we all – love uh, and consume sports on a daily basis. But there's other things that I consume. I'm, I'm a big movie and TV watcher. Uh, we here at the Twidwell household are big time movie and TV watchers. Uh, my, ho- my hobbies are literally watching sports and watching movies. I have no idea how I've managed to, to not be single these days as being as interesting of a fellow as I've been my whole life. But with watching these countless films comes a few issues that I've naturally developed. And one of those said issues is overanalyzing the film and applying my own personal rules and expectations on the film before I even press play. It's so bad that oftentimes I, I, I've noticed that even the best of the best movies I've seen have oftentimes been a movie I've had to rewatch because I was so focused on, the, on, on catching twists, foreshadows, and plot holes that I forgot the most important part and the biggest reason as to why we watch movies. To enjoy them. I think this is where a large number of Chiefs fans are with this team right now. Since 2013 and especially since 2018, the Chiefs have provided their viewing audience with a great on-screen and in-person show on a damn near weekly basis. So much so, so much so that I think that we have now grown accustomed to the simple pleasures of this life being Chiefs fans in the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes era that we forget about all the bad films this franchise put out long before in this time and place that we now live in. The Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions and are currently 10 and 1, well on their way to becoming repeat champions. You would think that the fan base as a whole would sit back and simply enjoy the show. But that hasn't been the case. If you zip through social media, you'll find plenty of folks complaining about the way the Chiefs are winning. Let me say that again. You will find people on social media complaining about the way the Chiefs are beating opponents. That's where we are at right now. Especially 
Complaining about wins. Essentially complaining about wins. And look, let me get this out of the way. Because I have to admit that I am 100% including myself in this complaint department. You follow me on Twitter at Lance the Spoken, and during games, you will see my thumbs drumming up a full-fledged panic attack. But like most of you, that is my genuine reaction in that moment in time. And once I do a few goose frabas, had to do a few of those tonight, and a couple dosakis get in me, I refrain from any further bitching. But like most of you also, I take inventory remember what this team is and what we're all watching. And sure, I have several issues and serious issues with the Chiefs paying Frank Clark to essentially be on the weekly milk carton. Sure, I despise the fact that the Chiefs offense continues to let off the gas or utilize the delayed draw play like it has or ever will work behind this shaky offensive line. It hasn't. It won't. But Andy Reid loves it. And speaking of this offensive line, this is the best the Chiefs could put in front of the uh, best, most valuable, most important football player in the world that they just paid half a billion dollars to? Trust me, I have my complaints with this team. And I'm constantly overanalyzing this team. It's what I'm good at. But as I learned this February and continue to learn every week, Overanalyzing isn't the right approach. Being honest and objective, sure. But when your team is the Pulp Fiction, the Sandlot, and the Monster Squad of the world of sports, trying to find and or overblowing their mistakes isn't the right play. We must appreciate a masterpiece when a masterpiece presents itself. And this Chiefs team, as currently constructed, is a masterpiece. And we have to learn how to enjoy this while this is now. We hear the older generations reminisce on the Lim Dawson and Joe Montana days and how much they enjoyed those days. Well, all due respect to those men and the Chiefs teams they led, but they pale in comparison to the Mahomes, to Mahomes and this Chiefs team. And as my guy Clay Windler stated the other day, we are living in the golden age of Chiefs football. And the last thing I want to be is the fan that wasn't caught up in this era and didn't fully enjoy these times. And as Andy Bernard from The Office once said, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you actually left them. I have good news for Chiefs fans that are listening to my voice. We know when the good old days are because we're in them now. This is truly special that we get to witness this. Think of how many fan bases would give anything to have what we currently have. I get what we have is literally once in every 50 years, but that should be the ultimate motivating factor living this up as much as possible. Andy, Patrick Mahomes, and their winning ways, they're not going anywhere anytime soon, but one day they will. And it'll be gone. And the Chiefs will have to find a new leader or leaders to take us back to the days like the days we live in today. So my challenge to you this week, when you sit on your couch and see Carrie Underwood bring us into Arrowhead Stadium and the Chiefs take on the Broncos, enjoy the show. Because I promise you, it's the best thing on TV. And we're going to take a quick break, guys, because when we get back, we got our guy from Denver, the DNVR man himself, our guy Zach Stevens, 
He's going to be joining us, man. This is it's it, it's been. I feels like it's only been a couple weeks since we've had him on, but it's been almost half the season since we've had Mr. Zach Stevens on. Get his thoughts on the Chiefs Broncos matchup. Cannot wait to get his thoughts on all things Chiefs, all things Broncos. We'll get back to that after this. KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for second number two. Here inside the Twidwell Studios tonight with my guys Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. So happy to be back, guys. Uh, these weeks seem to be flying by more and more as the season progresses. Football season, that's how it goes. Uh, feels like the weekend's here every other day. I ain't complaining about that, to be honest with you, because things are good here in Kansas City. Uh, things are a little bit different out there in Denver, which is actually where I want to segue because we are bringing our guy. We are so happy to have DNVR Sports Zach Stevens back with us. He was so kind to join us several weeks ago. Uh, when the season seemed to have some promise for the Broncos as they were kind of coming on to a little bit of a win streak or they had won, I believe, two or three games at that time, two or three at that time when they were coming into Kansas City. Things are a little bit different now, but nevertheless, our guy Zach Stevens was kind enough and quite frankly bold enough to come on here and talk Chiefs and Broncos this week. Zach, how are you doing today, brother? Oh, fellas, I'm doing great. Great to talk to you guys again. And man, the Broncos can't can't have the weeks fly by quick enough right now. Well, that's actually where I want to start, man, because I, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about this, this matchup and what kind of hope the Broncos could have in this type of scenario. But let's get right into it, man. Um, the Broncos have a lot of work to do. And this is something that interests us Chiefs fans, because we're in the midst of something that we like to consider a future dynasty. We believe that the Chiefs are going to win the next couple of Super Bowls, or at least be in them. And the Broncos are a team that wants to be a deterrent to that, not just be a deterrent, but a team that wants to get back into that glory themselves. Because it wasn't long ago that you guys were in the Super Bowl in 2015. So the question now, Zach, now that we kind of have a better understanding, or at least from the outside looking in, it looks like there's a better understanding. Where do the Broncos go from here? And I'm talking from top to bottom, man, because this clearly has not worked to this point under this current regime. Yeah, it, it certainly hasn't. And, and I mean, you can start all the way at the very top with ownership of the Broncos, which is in, in big time question. And you can go all the way down to their practice squad wide receiver who turned quarterback last week. I mean, it is, there are questions all the way in between. And it really does start at the very, very top with the Broncos ownership. Uh, the, the Broncos trust, which is currently uh, where the ownership sits right now is in a lawsuit with the Pat Bolin family. And I won't get into all the details, but essentially uh, the, the team will not be sold or they're not, will be, there won't be a transfer of ownership until this lawsuit is figured out. And this lawsuit doesn't happen until July of next year. Uh, and then it could still take some time after that. So in terms of the very top, the Broncos ownership is in flux for likely at least another year, if not longer than that. And that really needs to be resolved in order for huge uh, things to change with the Broncos. And when I say huge things, I mean any questions with John Elway, 
And depending on who you talk to, some people think he is the right man in charge because he did bring that Super Bowl 50 to Denver in 2015. He brought Peyton Manning here. He built an all-time great defense. And then you talk to other people, and they are absolutely out on John Elway as a general manager because of what these past you know, four or five years have been, where the Broncos have had the sharpest fall-off from a Super Bowl of any team in history, not making the playoffs four years, really looking like that's going to be five years. So I don't think any change is made with John Elway until there's a, a new potential owner in place. And it is noteworthy that John Elway has one year left on his deal after this, but I think John Elway will stay uh, until the team is back on top. And now that may change. What back on top means may change in the next uh, you know, couple of years, depending on just what this organization looks like. Uh, and then, you know, you, you go down the ladder. Vic Fangio, unless things go colossally wrong, I mean, it, it has to be bad. It has to be, I think, losing the next five games uh, to close out the season uh, on a five-game losing streak and, and the team not being in control of any of those games for Vic Fangio to be gone after this season. I think John Elway is going to give Vic every single benefit of the doubt uh, and he already has given him a lot of benefit of the doubt for everything going on this year. So I do think Vic Fangio will be back, even if the Broncos only go one and four uh, to close down the stretch. So then the two question marks uh, are Pat Shermer, the Broncos offensive coordinator, and Drew Locke. Obviously, last year, very promising start to his career. Broncos country was very, very high on him and impressed with him. And then this year, I mean, there's no question that Drew ha has uh, regressed instead of continue to take those steps. So those are the two big questions that the Broncos need to find out these final five games is do both of them come back? Do neither of them come back? Or do one of them come back? And right now, guys, uh, I do think Pat Shermer is also going to get that benefit of, uh, of the doubt because the Broncos have had a different offensive coordinator uh, for the past six or seven years. So they need to have continuity on the, on the offensive side of the ball. So I think he gets the benefit of the doubt. So guys, it all comes down to Drew Locke. What he shows us these next five games will be huge in the direction the Broncos go this offseason. Well, I want, I want to stay on Drew Locke for a second because I feel like this is going to be, uh, without question, one of the more pivotal decisions uh, for the Broncos, and, and at least their, their near future, uh, when it comes to you know what his progression will be as a player and if he's going to actually end up becoming anything worthwhile. Or is he just going to be another, you know, one of the Trevor Simeons, Paxton Lynch guys of that nature? Um, but there's something that actually took place off the field. And I usually try to stay away from these types of things. But when it comes on social media, you, you can't help but, you know, acknowledge it. And, and, and you guys being in Denver, I'm sure it's been the, the talk of the town uh, in regards to Drew Locke and his, his family coming to, to his defense when it comes to him not being able to play last Sunday – what is your sense on that situation? Because I will be honest, in Kansas City, we have a connection with Drew Locke because his family lives here. He's from here uh, in the Lee Summit, Missouri area. It, it, do, do more people stand on the side that Drew Locke was done wrong and the quarterbacks as a whole were done wrong on the team? Or is it more on the side of, no, nah, well, I mean, they should have taken – you know, proper procedures and protocol, and they're more on the side of the mom. Like, how, how does this go? How, how does the, the, the temperature out there in Denver when it comes to the situation? Oh, my gosh. With Broncos fans, the league did them dirty, guys. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually view this from the other side mostly. You know, there's rules in place. This is a very, very weird season, a unique one. But there's rules in place. And the rules in place were that you, you have to follow the mask order, and that you have to wear the mask. So the way I view it, 
is yeah, the, the Broncos broke the rules. And what I think is very telling is Drew ha- has admitted guilt. Blake Bortles today uh, admitted guilt. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing to admit guilt for. It's not like they did anything terrible. They, they just had their mask down, which broke the rules. Uh, and so I, I personally think um, that if the NFL had pushed the game, what, what Broncos fans are enraged at is that the NFL didn't move this game. Uh, and, you know, they say the, the Broncos fans will say that player safety is what the NFL preaches. And how can this be safe? Putting Kendall Hinton, a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. But to me, the NFL moves games when there's an outbreak. And unfortunately, the Broncos didn't have enough of an outbreak for them to move the game. So that the Broncos fans themselves are just furious. They think the NFL did them dirty. But really, when you look around, if they would have moved the game for the Broncos, uh, the NFL would have been changing their own rules to accommodate the Broncos. And that's kind of where we're standing on it. It's, it, it sucks to see because, I mean, let's be honest, man. 2020 as a whole has been unforeseen, un- unpredictable, and unprecedented in every regard. But to see a team not have a single quarterback on the roster active and ready to go, it sucks, especially against a really good team like the Saints, who, by the way, have their own version of Tim Tebow, uh, coming on the, uh, coming into Denver and, and playing the way he play, he played and, and it didn't really even matter what happened in the quarterback's position for the Saints they were just completely the better team there was no chance of the Broncos winning that game but th- this is something that I feel like was easily avoidable and like you said they broke the rules it's just unfortunate to see that the Broncos did not have an opportunity to even have a single quarterback out there so my question to you Zach is besides the obvious of just wearing your mask and things of that nature what other preventative measures do you think these quarterbacks can take in order for them to not have a single quarterback back? You have to think that there would be some sort of quarantine of one particular quarterback in case there's a, a you know, the ground falls out on all other three quarterbacks, right? I mean, you got to think there's something they can do in order to have a contingency plan. Well, and that's exactly right. It goes above the quarterbacks. This goes to the coaching staff and the front office of making sure that you have a quarantine quarterback. And this was something that we talked to Vic Fangio about earlier earlier in the season about uh, does it make sense especially for the quarterback position to have a guy that is never around the other quarterbacks may not be at practice ever uh, is certainly not in in the the meeting rooms with these other guys is not eating with the the other guys is pretty much virtual like you have with Jake Fromm out in Buffalo in, in a totally different facility than the rest of the quarterbacks so that if something like this happens or there is an outbreak in that quarterback room that you can bring a guy in. And look, the Broncos right now have four. They're, they're signing a fifth quarterback, your former practice squad quarterback, Kyle Shermer, son of uh, Broncos offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer. They're about to have five quarterbacks. And now it does seem like they're taking that approach after they got burned last week with it. Blake Bortles is kind of a semi quarantine quarterback he's coming in but really limiting his exposure around the other quarterbacks so that this doesn't happen again but you know the Broncos had to learn that it's important to have this the very very hard way of not having a quarterback in order to adapt this now going into this matchup um I'll just be honest uh Zach unless unless you're seeing something a little bit different than I am oh no uh, (laughs) <laughs> Sunday night, uh, Arrowhead, I know there's not going to be a lot of fans. I'm, I'm thinking maybe 17, 18,000 at, at the max. Not really going to be a factor. But uh, these two teams have been going in completely different directions this season and, and more ways than one. Patrick Mahomes is, I think, the clear-cut MVP at this time. The Chiefs are clicking on all cylinders offensively. They just came off a really big win in Tampa. Um, 
Zach, give give me something interesting in this one, man, because I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I'd love to hype it up because it is a divisional game, it, you know, you want to call it the rivalry game. You want to, you know, look at the old times of, you know, John Elway looking at the referees to tell the – tell them to shut the crowd up back in the 90s or Joe Montana going into mile high and winning a game at the last second. You know, I would love to be talking about things like that that could potentially be happening. But I'm going to be honest, Zach, I, I, this game is very anticlimactic. So in, in what way, because I don't want to put you on the spot here and try to dance with us here, but in what way do you think the Broncos can make this one a nail-biter of sorts, like we said earlier? I mean, because from the naked eye, I mean, a 14, 15-point deficit or a favorite right now, I have a hard time believing that this is going to be much of a game unless you can maybe twist our ears on this one and, and figure out a solution. Yeah, not not really, unfortunately. You know what? Th this game, uh, it probably has the least amount of hope that Broncos country has had in a long, long time. Really, the, the interesting part about this game is can the Broncos keep it close to the spread is kind of the feeling in Denver right now. So people are not expecting much. But but here's, here's a couple of things. This would be... If the Chiefs won, they would tie their longest winning streak against the Broncos ever. The Chiefs won 11 straight games against the Broncos when the Broncos were pretty much a brand new franchise. I mean, that's how far we have to go back. 1969 to 1964, the Chiefs won 11 straight. Then they lost that 12th game. And then the Chiefs went on to win the next six. So they won 17 of 18 from the Broncos. So the Broncos are really trying to avoid uh, truly embarrassing history right now. Uh, and what's, what's really crazy about this series the past couple of games, uh, since Vic Fangio has been the Broncos head coach, the Broncos and Chiefs have played three times. And it hasn't been... Patrick Mahomes, that's killed him. Patrick Mahomes has had the left-handed pass. He, he's done some incredible things, of course. But uh, this year, earlier in the season, Patrick Mahomes had, you know, maybe his most mundane game of the year. He only threw for 200 yards. He just looked like a, a really good game manager. But the Chiefs, they ran the ball. And they put up 43 points despite that. They had 29 points on offense, one on special teams, one on defense. It was, it was just brutal. So the question is, well, what happens if Patrick Mahomes plays lights out against the, against the Broncos? And that's kind of the question that I have going into this game. Like, it was really bad the first time they played earlier this year. What's it going to look like if Patrick Mahomes is unleashed? Because I don't think it was Patrick Mahomes playing bad. I think, I think it was a great game plan by Andy Reid saying, let's not let Bradley Chubb pin his ears back and get to Patrick Mahomes. Although Bradley Chubb did that. Uh, let's instead just, just run the ball and, and win in a boring way, which was still a, a very fun game for Chiefs fans, I'm sure. But what's, what's interesting is in the past two years, guys, Steve Spagnola has done a fantastic job against the Broncos offense. Now, it's not like he's been facing Patrick Mahomes or anything like that, but the Broncos have 25 points in the past three games total, 25 points of offense. So if the Broncos are able to score 20 points in this game, it'd be considered a big win in my eyes because they're averaging just over eight points per game. So that's, that's I think, where this game is really scary for the Broncos is what if they're only able to put up eight, 10, 13 points? This game's going to be brutal. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny, there's – there's been players with, uh, within the Denver organization that, is, that have stated that they do believe, and I don't, I don't remember the, the player exactly, they believe they're not far away from the Chiefs. And, and in fact, I believe the quote was, they're neck and neck with the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't remember what player that was. Now, here's the thing. I actually love confidence like that. I respect that because I think athletes should have that type of chip on their shoulder and belief in themselves. I, I don't believe it. I don't agree with it. But is, is that the mentality in Denver as a whole? Because, I mean, obviously the Chiefs now with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at the helm, they control this division. They have the final say on how this division has won for the foreseeable future. But there has to be a belief and a pride, in, in, in a sense, in Denver, not just with the players, but the fan base, that this, this franchise has been extremely successful throughout the years. And to be all honest, in all honesty, over the last 20 years, there has been no franchise in this, in this division more successful than the Denver Broncos. So there's got to be a sense that they can get back to that. And so we, we can sit here and talk about the changes, but is that still the belief or is that starting to dwindle uh, as time goes on and as Patrick Mahomes continues to get better? You know what's really interesting about that? It, it was Garrett Bowles that made that comment. And the, the comment was made after the Chiefs beat the Broncos and put up 43 points on them this year to win their 10th consecutive game. Garrett Bowles came out and said, I think we're neck and neck with the Chiefs, which is, which is crazy. But what, what, what's very interesting about this is you would think that that would be coming from the top. That message would be coming from John Elway. But when John Elway talks about the Chiefs, really in the past couple of years, and especially now, when Elway talks about the Chiefs, I mean, it is nothing but admiration, and we are chasing these guys. He wants to build a team that competes with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't really say this is about, you know, winning Super Bowls anymore. He says we need to find a way to compete with the Chiefs because we know that if we want to compete our goals and complete our goals, we need to get to where Kansas City is and, and beat them. So it's really interesting that, you know, the ultimate competitor in John Elway is the one that's saying we're very far away. It's just some players that, that, that are very confident. But you, you have to be confident when you, when you play the Chiefs, especially on offense, because you know that you are going to have to put up more than eight points per game in order to beat them. You know that you're going to have to put up 30-plus points in order to beat them. And uh, I, last week, guys, the Broncos knew that they were not going to win that game against the Saints without a quarterback. It's very clear talking to players this week how realistic they were with it. And I'm really curious how realistic they are right now. And, and, and of course, we, we can't find out. Uh, they're not going to tell us just how, how much the odds are stacked against them. But for a second week in a row, guys, the Broncos are the biggest underdog in the NFL. And so I think that's pretty telling just at, just at how tough this game is going to be. Uh, and the, I, I don't truly believe that anyone in the organization believes they're neck and neck with the Chiefs. <clears throat> Zach Stevens, I, I asked you a question uh, last, last time you were on the show. Uh, similar to this one, I'm going to ask it again. If you were running the Broncos, right? Let's say John Elway stepped down and they said, you know what? That guy from DNVR Sports seemed to, <laughs> seems to know his shit. Let's bring Zach Stevens in to be the VP and the general manager. Is Drew Locke your quarterback week one of 2021? Yeah. No, unless something crazy happens and he really turns this around, no. Because I know how uh, – I know what the Broncos are dealing with in this division. And that is that Derek Carr may be, you know, the third best quarterback in this division. And Derek Carr is balling out. You guys know he's played two fantastic games against the Chiefs. And Justin Herbert looks to be a very, very scary guy for the next 10 or 15 years. And you know what? 
I really liked what I saw from Drew Locke last year. Four and one as a starter, only lost to the Chiefs on that road game, which he was very bad, but it was also a bad snowstorm. Uh, and he had seven touchdowns, three picks, really improved his footwork and accuracy last year. Loved what I saw from him. And since it's just been regression, uh, you know, the stats back it up, seven touchdowns to 11 interceptions, only 55% completion, uh, has not put up points like the Broncos hoped he would. And then also the eye test as well. Uh, it doesn't, he does not look confident. He does not look like he's reading the field. Uh, and so there's a chance that Drew Locke, there's absolutely a chance Drew Locke can bounce back. But right now, I just wonder how high his ceiling can be. And of course, the Broncos aren't going to find the next Patrick Mahomes. You know, they'd be lucky to find the next Justin Herbert, the way Justin Herbert looks to be playing. But in this division, you can't just have uh, an average quarterback. You can't have a good quarterback. You really have to shoot for the, you know, hit, hit a home run and try to get that guy. So that's why the Broncos are probably going to end up with a pretty good draft pick, you know, a top 10 pick. And uh, I, would, I would try to move up if there's a guy that, that you love. And you're probably not going to get Trevor Lawrence. You're probably not going to get Justin Fields. But try to get that third quarterback. If you love Zach Wilson, who I really like right now, coming from BYU, and you think that he can be that Justin Herbert type of player, um, as Herbert was also the third quarterback taken, well, then I make that move, and I'm jumping into the top five uh, to, to, to grab him because that will give me a chance. You know, we have Bronco fans that listen to this show, and Zach, I'm, I'm just letting you know, don't be shocked when you get the calls that, hey, um, <laughs> there's been a petition created in your name to be the next general manager for the Broncos. <laughs> just letting you know, man, and you know what, and we better get royalties out of this because we, we, brought, we basically introduced you to Kansas City. So, I'm just Oh, absolutely. <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of that, Zach, it still stands. Whenever that day comes and you decide to come out here to Kansas City, Barbecue is on us, man. The Spoken Podcast has got you. Your beer, your barbecue, everything is on us, man, because we want you to get the best experience here in Kansas City because that, 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 if you come to Kansas City, you have to have that. It's like going to New York and not seeing the sights and not getting pizza. you got to come to Kansas City and get barbecue, man. So when that day comes, we better be the first people you hit up, and you better come and hang out with us, man. I'm telling you, we're actually a lot cooler off air than we are on air. But regardless, Zach, uh, let the people know where they can find you on social media, man. Oh, first off, guys, I'd absolutely love to uh, love to do that. And I have a quick question for you. Is, is it true that, you know, the best barbecues found in gas stations? Because uh, it, out, out here in Denver, that that's what we hear. And I've never been to Kansas City. You're, you're, the rumors are correct. Uh, let, me okay. let me contextualize <laughs> it. So there, it's, it's Joe's KC. That is the barbecue joint. It was originally called Oklahoma Joe's. He, he moved from Oklahoma. And brought it here to Kansas City, and it became world famous. I mean, you're talking Brad Pitt and all these big-time actors stop here in Kansas City to eat this stuff. Uh, it is in a gas station, but it is a restaurant. It's not like you walk into a, mm. you know, a quick trip. I don't know if you guys have quick trips in, in Denver or not, but you don't walk into like a come-and-go and then right. go get barbecue. It's, 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 it the is a gas station, is a gas but it's, station. On, it's its own entity at the same time. Yeah. Like I said, you're going to experience it for yourself. I'm going to get you either a Z-Man or a, a Rocket Pig. And you're going to try this, and you're going to love this. You might even consider a career change. <laughs> maybe work out here for a while and become a beat writer for the Chiefs. I'm just saying, man. The future's bright here. You get great football, you get great food, and you got three friends here just waiting to hang out with you, man. There you know? we go. I, lo I love the sound of it. And, I mean, Kansas City, it may be made for me with a sandwich called the Z-Man out there. 
<laughs> but I'm just telling you, though, because you, you look like a, a rather slim guy in your pictures. I want to start <laughs> buying some bigger clothes if you decide to move to Kansas City because doughboy.com is going to be your next uh, uh, website. I'm telling you right now, man, it's, you're going to gain weight. I mean, myself included. I have, I have to wear three X's during uh, Christmas season because I, I, it's, it's, it's bad, dude. I mean, just put it like that. It's bad out here. It's very easy to get chubby out here. But nevertheless, Zach Stevens, man, we really do appreciate you. Once again, if you could, let the people know where they can follow you on social media. At Zach Stevens DNVR. Guys, really appreciate being on. Love, love talking some football, even though it's not the best conditions for, for a nail biter this Sunday. Absolutely, man. We really do appreciate you taking the time on a Friday night to come hang out with us. And you're always welcome to come on. And we will definitely be having you on in the future, my brother. Right on. Let's do it. I look forward to it, guys. You have a great night. That is our guy, Zach Stevens from DNVR Sports. He's the beat reporter for the Denver Broncos. Really, really happy to have him on. He's always got incredible, incredible intakes uh, or takes in the world of sports when it comes to the Broncos. I, I don't trust anybody else outside of him when it comes to Broncos information and getting an honest opinion more than anything because there's plenty of homers out there. There's people out there that we can get on the show that are just going to just twist everything and spin everything positive. You got to be real about things, man, and that's what we do here as well at the Spoken Podcast, and that's the people that we like to have on our show. We're going to take a quick break, guys. When we get back, we have the Eddie Hour to get a fawn on, get on. So uh, hold tight, guys. Put that, put that uh, seatbelt on and uh, get ready for what Eddie's got. We are building a religion. We are building it bigger. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for these pendant. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Hey, yo! Segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We just had our guy from DNVR Sports, Zach Stevens, come on and uh, try to give some sort of hope for this matchup, which I don't think there's going to be much of. I told Eddie uh, earlier today, and we're going to talk about it uh, later on in the show, um, but I, I, I think this is going to be. Eerily similar to the Jets game uh, from a few weeks ago. I think it's going to be very similar to that, especially if Jerry Judy and Philip Lindsay end up uh, on the shelf for this one, who are two significantly valuable players for that offense. And as our guy Zach said, you have to score around 30 points to even have a chance against this Chiefs team. So yeah, we'll definitely be we'll, – that's a teaser. Consider that a teaser. Put that on the shelf itself and get ready for uh, that segment. We got to get to some pressing matters. We got our guy Eddie Ortiz in the hizzy. For the Eddie Hour, yes, so Eddie, Mr. Eddie Tingle, yes, what's in the Eddie Hour? All right, man, just a few questions for you guys. Uh, Lance, you might uh, you might actually like this one. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on uh, the NBA and the uh, uh, National Basketball Players Association came to an agreement on pausing random marijuana tests for the 2020-2021 season. So I want to get your thoughts on Yeah, the, 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 the language in that is what I'm – curious about because they said pausing it um i don't know exactly what that means uh when i pause a show that doesn't mean i'm done with it that means i'm just done with it in that moment so i, I it sounds to me like they're kind of just putting so, it suspend yes they're yeah. okay so fair enough so 
So they're basically they're basically making pro- it's progress is what it is. Um, it, because the NFL was kind of the pioneer with all this when they said that they're no longer going to be suspending players for uh, uh, marijuana use. Um, we saw the, the Congress de- decriminalize, dis- yeah, decriminalize. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, was that today or, or yeah, today. earlier today? Yep. That was officially be, uh, no. Now they got a long way to go with all that. The oh, point yeah, though is, it was officially announced as a medicine. Yes, it was a, it's no longer a dangerous drug well, in their eyes. It just went through the house. It still has to go through the Senate. So yes, it's still not. A, it's still not. There's still a lot to criminalize. So yes. don't, don't do it if it's illegal. Yeah, don't, right. don't smoke it. We got him right now, guys. I'm just saying. Just you know, we just had a guy on. Wait a couple weeks. We, we have a right from Denver on. Now we're talking about weed, but no. <laughs> The point is, is that I, I think this is progress. It isn't where it needs to be yet, which is just completely legalized and just nobody's stressing about it because it does yeah. not. We can get into it. The point is, give it to your kids. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, point, the point is, the point is, I, I am, I am happy with this news because uh, players want to like we've we've seen NFL players, NBA players, MLB players come out after they've retired and no longer have the fear of being suspended. Uh, state. And we're talking various personalities, various people. Even Howie Long's sons have come out and talked about, you know, they use cannabis constantly right. for pain and anxiety and uh, all the all the brain trauma they've suffered. It's a natural substance. It should have always been this this way instead of these guys having to po- pop opioids and burning holes in their stomachs just to make sure that their arthritis slows down. It's just insanity that we've even gotten here. Nevertheless, it's great news, and I love hearing this, and I love the fact that this is where we're headed, and hopefully in the very near future, it gets to the place where it needs to be, and it should have been all along. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's progress nonetheless, and then the fact that this used to be such a taboo subject. It never even used to be discussed by any and, – and kudos to, to Adam Silver, man. This guy has been blazing trails in sports and being – and. You know he's gotten a bad rep by uh, probably by other sports the way they look at it because he's very progressive. Uh, to be honest, I think he's the best commissioner. Absolutely, any major he sports handled, in, the way in he America. Handled, the way he handled all this this craziness going on with COVID and and the, with the bubble and the way he handled the the social injustice stuff going on and letting his athletes speak out and not putting a, a you know a, a filter on any of them, letting LeBron James be himself and speak out whatever everyone, letting every all of his players be themselves. You know, not having like this mastermind control over everything, and I love it. He's and he's with the marijuana thing. I mean, it's especially with football, especially with football and and, and contact sports. I mean, with with NBA, it's more about your joints. These guys, you know, constantly, you know, jumping up and down, um, big guys jumping up and down, you know, and and, and with their knees, because that's typically what goes first for for NBA players is their knees. Um, so you know, dealing with pain and ailments like that. Um, anti-inflammatory drugs like marijuana, which helps with all that stuff. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, it took way way too long, like I said, because it's such a taboo subject, uh, and it never even was allowed to even be discussed. This was never even a conversation just two years ago, really. I mean, this is a new thing, um, and I, I I fully believe in the next handful of years that this is going to be such a a dead conversation. Uh, I, I believe there, there's. I mean, we've been Chauncey Billups. He's a uh, a few years back, I was talking about how he used to play, you know, high all the time, and I still believe there's pl- plenty of players doing that uh, that perform well with that, and maybe better, uh, you know, under the influence of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's truly medicine, um, like you said, opiates and opioids, like the these man-made concoctions, these these uh, uh, different, you know, chemicals put together to make yep. these things for these, and they have no problem giving these guys pills to pop and things to inject into their body that they don't even know what they're actually made of. When you can go pluck a plant from the earth uh, and, and ingest it, and it can be 
that much more beneficial to their body. So this is, man, it's great. It's great. Not even just for sports, but for humanity. Um, it makes people happy. You know, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. Um, it's, it's that simple. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's great, man. I'm just glad the conversation is being started. I'm glad that, um, Adam Silver is blazing the trail for, uh, literally for, yeah, yeah, blazing <laughs> yeah. the trail. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, lo- so, I love the guy, man. I'm glad he's he's pushing. So for just it. to be clear, this is just suspending random right. uh, random marijuana tests. But I, I, th- I do think this is a start to to. Yeah. You know. uh, just to be clear, marijuana remains a banned substance in the NBA based on the current collective bargaining bargaining agreement. Right. And while random testing has been suspended, marijuana testing in cases of cause remain in place. Absolutely. Again, that's. Everything's in the language, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. The, the fact though, this is at the forefront now, and it's mm-hmm. actually making news. The conversation, there. the conversation's there. happening. The conversation exactly. has officially it's started. It's no longer, it's no longer the elephant in the room that everyone's ignoring. It's now right. the the point of emphasis where, like, hey, all right, let's get this figured out. Yeah. That's what I like. Is that it, it isn't where, like I said, it isn't where it needs to be. Not yet, but it's getting there. I mean, that's, it's, I'm it's, seeing the, the big picture. Yeah, so the conversation has been officially started. I mean, exactly. just simply, exactly. simply weighing the pros and cons, and, and and deciding from there. And if you find more cons, I would love to hear them all ears yeah all right so moving uh moving on uh next question staying in basketball i want to get i want to get your thoughts on that westbrook for john wall and a first round uh pick trade so uh you know i didn't really know at first who won the trade uh i am gonna say at this current time um i i would say just on paper russell westbrook going to going to the east eastern conference and playing next to bradley beal is going to be a good thing they're they're not a championship team but see, neither are the Rockets. I have no idea what you're going to get out of John Wall. John Wall is 29, I want to say 30 years old now. Uh, he's owed $45 million this year and next year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, John Wall at his best is still not Russell Westbrook. Um, to me, this is a wash trade, if you're going to ask me. I think when it's all said and done, neither guy is going to bring, obviously, a title to either city that they play for, respectively. Um, it's going to be about entertainment quality at this point. I don't think it's a question that Russell Westbrook at this time of their careers is more entertaining than John Wall. And again, we don't know what's getting John Wall hasn't played in what two years, yeah, almost two almost years, two whole seasons, almost two full seasons. We have no idea what we're getting still a young man though. Still young. Yes. Yeah. But Achilles tears are pretty significant. And again, these are things that are very mysterious. Yeah. So at this current time, just based off health, based off the fact that I believe they got the first round pick as well. They won this trade as it currently stands. When John Wall comes out and balls out, and then the Rockets are a third, you know, fourth seed in the West, they clearly won it. So it's a very, it's gonna be a very nuanced argument. In my mind, I think the Rockets absolutely won this trade. I think John Wall is an absolutely much better fit um, uh, with the Rockets and with with James Harden. He's he he can play. I think he's going to play the true point guard position. I think Harden's gonna revert back to more his shooting guard role, just focused solely on scoring. Don't let him. I think the system's gonna change with Deontoni being out of the picture. Um, it has to. Yeah, because, I mean, he had that two-point guard, very ball-dominant, two two guards, ball, very ball-dominant guys. I just don't – look, man, I, I, I love Russell Westbrook and what he and what he does for entertainment purposes and as an NBA player um, and his passion for the game is just unmatched, really. Uh, but he's just – he's not a winner. He's not a winner. He's never going to win a ring in my mind unless he jumps onto a team. And him going to the Wizards is <laughs> – Probably the worst position for him to be in. I mean, I love Bradley Beal. He's a great scorer, but that team is not deep. That team has no other star power. Um, I just I think that he's going to go there and die in the East unless he eventually gets out of there somehow. I just I love Russ. I just don't think he's a winner, man. Did I don't you guys think he's... see? Well, and, and just to throw in that, neither is John Wall. But 
No, the, the point though is this. That's, we can, I'll, I'll, well, that's I'll fair. That's fair. Uh, I will say this though. Um, it's crazy to think that Russell Westbrook is now officially the first MVP to be traded for yeah. to be traded back to back seasons. Yeah, I'm just I'm that's telling you, crazy he's, to think. He's, he's just not. He's just not a. Uh, he's very good as an individual player, man. But as far as like reverting to a team role and focusing on team first type, I just don't think he's a volume everything. This is why he was so good at getting the triple doubles because he was volume getting rebounds. He would crash all the boards. He's a, a f- absolute freak athlete, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen in any sport. The guy's a freak. The way he came back from those knee injuries and it was just, it's still always been himself, never slowed down one bit. Um, but as far as John Wall not being a winner, that's a little unfair in my mind. I'm a John Wall fan, and I love that he's back with Boogie because Boogie's at anybody knows me and knows my my love for NBA. Boogie is a special place in my heart. I love my guy Boogie, and I'm glad they're back together. I know they're Kentucky guys, and that's a little eh for us KU guys, or even yeah Mizzou people, um, or most people had no hate uh, Kentucky. But I I I, I like that reuniting of those two guys together is is pretty cool story. I think Boogie still has a lot back left in the tank. Um, but get to your John Wall excuse. But yeah, well, John Wall, dude, he's been he's been. How, you can't really say he's not a winner. That's like saying Bradley Beal's not a winner. He, he's been what, stuck. What winner? He's been okay, but for last couple of seasons, he has been riddled with injuries, and he's been stuck in Washington. Okay, okay, but you you said that in comparison to Russell Westbrook not being a winner. Russell Westbrook's no, been on absolutely championship loaded teams and failed every time. Well, that's not fair either. Because what do you more, mean? Well, first of all, the first couple of years of Russell Westbrook's career, they were not a championship team. But, but, but they got the, the talent team, around they got him. Got to though. the finals finally. Okay, got but, worked by the prime LeBron James. Sure, sure. And then KD leaves OKC after they choke a three-one series against the Warriors. For sure. And then he has the Warriors, the greatest dynasty in NBA history. Hmm. Go against them. He had no shot of winning. He's played West. for some good coaches and has loaded rosters almost every season of his career. Trust me when I say it. I'm not a guy that's ever going to say Russell Westbrook and winner in the same sentence. My point though is uh, when you make that argument in this trade scenario, to me neither one of these guys are winners. So that's not really a point to be made in this conversation because neither guy has won anything for at sure. any level. For sure, and they both have had major injuries in their career. But I, I, I just think if anything, Russell's more of the winner because in college he went to the Final Four, mm. and then in. Uh, and and the NBA has been in the finals. So who's really the winner? In, John in Wall was a successful in college. They they lost in the second round. Yeah, I, I get know, that. They have but... one of the more talented teams in the nation. Yeah, I, I basically what it comes. I mean, I I feel like their their positions are pretty similar. Um, Russ being the better athlete, but I do think John Wall, and I think we will see it is barring health. I do think I I do think uh, I do think John Wall is the better fit for this offense, and I think uh, him, I will agree. With I that. think him and. Well, I just think Russ is difficult to deal with. Russ's part had never made sense. We talked right. about just this. like. Well, I mean, I think it will be a little more similar to how Chris Paul was, how he fit because they did play well together and they had the Warriors on the ropes. And I think it'll be a little more similar to that. And I think, uh, I think John Wall can score in more different ways than Russ can. He's more of an efficient shooter as well. So I think I think it'll be a better fit moving forward for the Rockets. Is the John Wall still a thing? Is what? Is the John Wall still a thing? A John Wall? Yeah, the... Oh, the Dougie. Oh. John Wall. No, I think, That's so 2011. I think he man. stopped doing that after his 12th injury. <laughs> yeah, I think he, I think he, he physically Wall can't God. do it anymore. Was that song to that John Wall? Or <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's a decade ago, man. Yeah, that was great. That was a good time. <laughs> All right, uh, NBA still. Uh, thoughts on the uh, Anthony Davis contract and the LeBron James extension? I, I love I love both of them. Uh, I actually love the Anthony Davis one even more than LeBron James. One. Five years. The reason dude. why? Yeah, it's. And I love the candid response that Anthony Davis gave the media when they were asking him about why did he choose? Because he had 
several different uh, choices the Lakers offered him. He could have taken a one and uh, one and one. Could have taken a two year deal, a three year deal. He's like, look, I'm gonna be real with you guys. I've had injury problems in my, in my career. So he goes, God forbid something happens in my future. I wanted to secure as many years as possible. He goes, and plus, I love this franchise. See, the Lakers, I'm not going to delve off into this, but I'm just going to say this. The Lakers, although they're a humongous, monstrous franchise, they're also ran like a family. The, the, the bus family, they treat their, their, their players like family. Um, I watched a video today of Kobe Bryant in his last game, and Jeannie Buss is in the back, balling her eyes out, giving him and his family gifts. Like, that's something that is special. And I think Anthony Davis, being brought in, with clearly recruited by LeBron James, uh, recognizes that, knows that he is he's treated differently in L.A. than he was in New Orleans, which, by the way, he was a big fish in a small pond in New Orleans, and he wasn't treated that way. People want to be accepted. People want to feel wanted. And Anthony Davis knows his role, and quite frankly, because he's not an alpha, he loves the fact that LeBron James is the one that's going to be leading this team for at least the next couple of years, even though LeBron will eventually decline and Anthony's still getting into his prime as a leader LeBron could not be any more valuable than he is right now for Anthony Davis because that is what Anthony Davis needs in order to succeed. Because again, there's only a handful of guys in this league that can lead a team to the finals, to a championship. LeBron's one of them. Anthony Davis has never been proven to be that. He could be one day, might even be this next year. But at this current structure, there is a reason why this team got formed the way that they did and maybe is the best team LeBron's ever had. It's because of the leadership and, and the skill that LeBron still very much has. So having said all that, I think LeBron James doesn't shock me at all because I think we all knew he was going to retire in L.A. unless something crazy happens with his son making it in the league and he wants to go play with him. That's a scenario we won't even entertain yet. But but Anthony Davis's contract was the big one because that facilitates a three-peat. LeBron was going nowhere. Anthony Davis staying keeping his feet in L.A., that cements to me a three-peat. Yeah, I mean, this is the worst-kept secret in sports right now. We all knew LeBron was going to get his. We all knew... AD was going to stay at the Lakers. Uh, five years is more than I thought. I thought it was going to be maybe a three-year deal, but five years is awesome. I mean, he's he's going to be a Laker probably for the rest of his career. Um, and the and the way they built around this this offseason has been – I thought last offseason was good with the moves that they made and they scrambled together after the Kawhi thing fell through. This is – I mean, they're, they're – it's not even close. They're un – not undeniably players. the best team heading into this next season. Right. It's not even close. Not even the fact that they're – it's not even the fact – Besides the fact that they're the best or the defending champs, they're the best roster. They got I mean, they, they, yeah, I mean, with the Montrez signing, I wish they would have brought Avery Bradley back. If they would have kept every, found a way to keep Avery Bradley he around, really he could get out of LA. That he was, was yeah. I mean, that would that would have been just the cherry on top. But I mean, they brought back uh, Cook today, which is a good signing. You know, a good shooter to have around, a guy that knows the system. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising to anybody. I do, I do believe it. Only, the only reason it took this long to get this done was be, I, I do, I did buy into the rumors about Giannis and about AD possibly holding out uh, to see what Giannis was going to do. Uh, Giannis obviously hasn't made up his mind. Uh, I know they're trying to build that. They brought in some good pieces for him. Um, that'll make them competitive in the East. I just don't moving forward, man, with these two pillars with LeBron and AD, the two, the best duo in the league. I just, and no other big threes. In the well, league and, right and, and, and plus, well, I mean, with, 
the only real competitive team was going to be the Warriors, but with the clay issue, that's that's out of the picture now. They'll still be competitive, I fully believe that, but not nearly to the degree we thought. And then with the Clippers, with the shakeup going on over there with Doc Rivers, I mean, I, I, Paul George's comments lately. I get, like, yeah, I get Ty Lue, but I think there's just so much. And then you heard about that reporter coming out about uh, Kawhi, how he, yeah, Kawhi was like asking for way too much maintenance stuff, and he was getting, you know, he's such a prima donna and all this. And I fully believe all that. Kawhi came into LA and was claiming LA already and all this nonsense. Yeah. So we all knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, with the, with the Clippers, you know, we don't really know who's going to be outside of maybe the Nuggets. I think, I think I, moving forward, I think it will be the Nuggets because I don't believe in the Clippers. If that's the best competition. The that's Lakers what I'm saying. Have. We don't, the, the West is such a mystery at this point right now, which we thought was so solidified last year, who the top three, five teams were. You, you, you say that the West might be a mystery, but I think it's actually kind of predictable because I think we know where everyone, maybe outside of the Mavericks. Mavericks yeah. Like the Mavericks are a mystery. Jazz team. should be right they back in there. They could be a 60 win team or they could be a 45 win team. I do think the Jazz should be right back in there, though. But my point is, is I think we kind of have a grip of what the Jazz are. Yeah. We know they're going to be a 48 to 51 win team. They'll be a fourth seed and they'll lose in the second round. That's yeah. what the Jazz are. Ooh. The Nuggets, they'll probably get in the Western Conference Finals. The, the Mavericks are the team, though. The Mavericks are the sleeper. Luka, yeah. They should take that next step. Well, and if Porzingis. He MVP this can year, Porzingis stay healthy? Yeah, that's you know the, I mean? that's he, the he's, he's always hurting the they biggest did, I moments. I think they did get uh, a Hardaway Jr. back. Did they? I think they got Hannah Hardaway Jr. back. I could be mistaken. I'm pretty sure that they got him back. Hmm. And they, if not, they probably will. You keep those guys intact. That's going to be a 50-plus win team. The Mavericks are the mystery. I and mean, I the, and the Kings, that, the you know, the Kings signed Hassan Whiteside. Just stay out of this. Just stay out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Hassan Whiteside, baby. Jesus. <laughs> All right, oh, so. man. I believe earlier this week we saw uh, one head coach in the NFL get fired in uh, Matt Patricia. Mm. And uh, since then, uh, I believe to, earlier today or yesterday, Michigan legislator, legislators are lobbying the lines to hire 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sale or Salah, Salah yeah. uh, as their head coach next season. Do you guys agree with that? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Look, this one, it it, it almost wrote itself. He's from Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, He's Lebanese, and and, in Detroit, it's one of the highest populated Lebanese areas in the entire country. Uh, He went to school out there. His family still lives out there, by the way, in Dearborn, which is like an hour away from Detroit. It makes so much sense. And Detroit is one of those, for some, you know, like you see franchises and you know they have like their, um, the reputations, like Steelers, you know they're always going to have tough front sevens and they run the ball. The Chiefs, they'll have the greatest quarterback of all time. That's just our standard now. <laughs> but no, like the Lions, like they they like defensive-minded head coaches. That is what Robert Salah is. Mm. And he is a – what I like about him the most and why I think it makes so much sense for him is two things. One, that Lions team is going to be completely depleted outside of Akuda and a few other young stars like Swift and it's other guys. It's a blank canvas. Yes, they're going to yeah. have a blank canvas to give Salah an opportunity to just build his own team. Right? Stafford, he's Stafford might not be there. No, Stafford won't be there. Yeah. I would, I'll, we can talk about that later. Yeah. But he's going to clean slate. And two, again, there's something about coaching or being back at home that, that adds a certain level of comfort and, and, and an ease to where you're not distracted about other things. You're just back home and you're just relaxed. Not to bring LeBron back up, but you can't tell me when he went back to Cleveland, that didn't make things a lot easier for oh, him at that time in his life. Man. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot going for this. If they don't go this route, I don't really get what they're doing at this point because the Lions need a reboot. I was clearly wrong about this team. I thought they had it in the bag. They didn't. 
They need to restart. Matt Patricia, literally, if you just grew my hair out and put a, uh, a, a yeah. pencil in my ear, I'm, I'm Matt Patricia. Yeah. I'm fat Patricia. Yeah. <laughs> I lied. This is actually the worst kept secret. Uh, Matt Patricia's firing. Um, uh, the, anybody who has paid attention to the football season so far, the NFL season so far, uh, the, the, it's, it's an absolute shit show over there, man. It's horrible. And they've got talent. I know they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, Galladay's, uh, Galladay's played – Kenny Galladay's played, I think, like three games. Yeah total this year and he's their star wide receiver who i do like a lot i drafted him in my fantasy league and he's been on my bench all year and it's great uh but I, they have talent deandre swift is a legitimate player um obviously flash he's shown big moments and big plays in the, uh, so far in the season if you utilize him uh get that defense right which the defense has got a lot of work to do um after they got rid of slay and a lot of other guys um so yeah i mean i think salah is, is a i mean that talk about a guy that can demand a, a locker room that is an intense individual. He has a um, respect to men. That, yeah, and he, he's been to a Super Bowl. You know, he, he coached one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen in this league. Uh, he and just, he was the god in 300. Yeah, <laughs> he just happened to go up against the GOAT So in the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really hope, and I think it's it's kind of like you said, it's on a silver platter right now for, for this guy to go. It makes too much sense. Um, it's poetic. Yeah, I mean, it makes – I hope he does get it because he's more than deserving to for a head coaching job. Detroit's a rough one. He's got a lot. He's gonna have a lot of work to do and a lot of uh, a lot of work on his hands to do over there. So, I do hope he gets it, and I hope I, I do kind of expect him to get it. I think he's the best guy for the job, and I think it makes a lot of sense with that being his home. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. Uh, hopefully he does get it, and he's well deserving for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, last question for you guys. Uh, this is a pretty simple question. Mm. Uh, question: uh, Is Carson Wentz a bust? Yes, um, he was the I believe the second overall second overall pick in the 2016 draft. Um, he started off hot, and he looked like he had a lot of promise to even be the best quarterback in the league at one point. Uh, after the knee, and then after the, the that team started to deplete and players started to drop off, and you started to see Doug Peterson's coaching skills get a little exposed. Um, Carson Wentz is now taking on this mentality that he has to play hero ball. And that's not worked for him. In fact, it's done the opposite to where he's now leading the league in turnovers, and uh, in, in rush passes, and his his I think it's the lowest quarterback rating in the NFL amongst all qualified starters. Like, yeah. it, it's it's bad. Uh, I've been one because he's so talented. I've been one that's been very slow and quite frankly reluctant to to say he's a bust. And and I know Eddie, you've been pushing that envelope for about a year now, where you're like, guys, I think it's I think he's a bust. I think he's a bust. And I've been like I said, I've just been pushing it off because I thought like he was going to really turn a corner. He he's not the guy, uh, at least not in Philly. I mean, he's still he's twenty seven. Yeah. Problem is, they owe him over sixty million dollars still, so they can't get out of that contract unless someone's want to eat all that. And I doubt anybody's going to want to the at Browns. this point. No, and and that's no, and so I, I think that it's, I think he's I don't know if I want to use the word bust, even though I'd agree to it. I think he's more of a disappointment, a letdown, mm-hmm. because like we've seen him at the highs, so that almost takes away the the whole bust, you know, quote unquote, right? Because he didn't suck from the beginning. He was actually really freaking good. He was going to win MVP for it towards ACL. So yes and no, I guess. I think he's just more of a disappointment and a letdown than a bust. Because even RG three, humongous bust in in all actuality, but he won Rookie of the Year over Andrew Luck. You know, twenty-two touchdowns and five hundred five interceptions in one rookie of the year, and won a playoff. Got to the playoffs with the with Washington. So yeah. there's guys that we've seen like this that have become just utter letdowns. And I think he's one of them. Yeah, I don't think I'm not going to say he's a bust. I think a bust is a guy that's highly touted coming into the draft and sucks from the start. 
and lets everyone down, like a Matt Liner. Josh or, Rosen. Yeah, yeah, Josh Rosen, absolutely. A guy that is, you know, a Ryan Leaf. A Ryan Leaf. I mean, guys like that, that that are brought in, you know, that are expected <laughs> yeah. to be winners right away. And he was that. And he was great right away. He was very, very mobile, fearless, made great throws on the run, similar to Patrick Mahomes throwing across his body. I think he's broken. I don't think he's a bust. I think he's broken. I think he had success. And I mean, just just look at the timeline of what's happened in his career. Okay, he went down to injury. Nick Foles, one of the most mediocre quarterbacks ever, comes in and wins his Super Bowl, yeah, dude. The only Super Bowl in Eagles wins history. his Super Bowl, he and I fully believe I fully believe if Winston would never went went down, they would have won that Super Bowl regardless. Yes. They probably would have won it more handling than they did. Yeah. Um, they didn't have to depend on some trick play to win it. I think Wentz would have went in there and took it. Um, he was great, man. He was so fun to watch. He was absolutely going to be the MVP that year. Um, I think he's broken though. I really do. I think with the, the psych, psychiatric side of it, um, with him not win, being able to go win that Super Bowl, um, getting injured consistently with, for three almost three straight years, consistently injured with major injuries, having to deal with the psychiatric part of that, overcoming that, and then the injuries, and then you know him having to hear all the noise um, about you know uh, you know and then then them drafting uh, what's his name. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, so there's just I think there's so much just piled on top of his brain. Um, he may just be a fragile guy that's maybe never going to overcome it, and it's definitely looking like he's never going to overcome it. And it sucks because the talent is there. He's got the talent, dude, and it just sucks that he's not able to showcase it. Plus, that like that roster is not great. I mean, their their best receiver. It was an undrafted free agent so far. Fulgham has been their best receiver this year. So he doesn't really have consistent weapons. The coaching, I think Peterson is on the hot seat. Yeah. I really do. Philly does not have the patience. I know he won the Super Bowl. But Peterson, I think he just recently gave up his play calling reins. Uh, I think he let go of that. So, I mean, there's just a lot of flux over there in Philly. It sucks to go from winning the Super Bowl to just everything's just falling apart now. And you're the guy you just invested in, heavily invested in a quarterback is just – broken and it, it's it sucks because i like the guy as an individual i think he's a good dude i just think he's psychiatrically broken so i think it's a lot of it up, upstairs more than it is physically good eddie hour man that was legit Thank i liked you. it eddie Thank well you. done man well done top draw top draw yeah. we're gonna take a quick break guys because we have two things we need to get across we need to uh review the chiefs and bucks game a uh, pretty big win for the chiefs out there in tampa bay this last sunday and then we got to get to this nail biter of a game against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football, guys. We're going to unpack all this for you guys, so stay tuned. We'll get back to all that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Lance Twidwell here inside the Twidwell studios. My guy is Trevor Twidwell. Was good. Eddie Ortiz. Go, go, go. <laughs> Can't even wait. Can't even wait. Can't even let me bring it in. This guy's got a pre-jack Jesus. over here. I know, man. I already knew what you were going to say. Cream of wheat everywhere. I already knew what you were going to say. 
So we have uh, two games we need to unpack. Let's let's get to the more interesting one first and foremost because I think, and I, I hate to be this guy, but I, I think we kind of understand what's going to happen on Sunday night uh, in Arrowhead. But nevertheless, we're still going to talk about what we see happening in that game and how we you know, see the Chiefs attacking the Broncos, the disabled Broncos, if you will, at this time because that team is all kinds of rattled. Um, but, but going back into Tampa Bay, I, 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 we talked on the show last week, Trev. I, I, I felt very confident. I felt like the Chiefs were going to go in there Imposed their will. I didn't think it was going to be that close of a game. It honestly wasn't all that close. It was close in certain instances, but it's for three quarters, the Chiefs yeah. led by ten points or more. Uh, so, so that yeah, it was it was frustrating towards the end. But I will say, what I loved about this game more than anything, yes, obviously Tyreek Hill's numbers were incredible. Patrick Holmes' numbers were incredible. Travis Kelsey. Quiet night had eight catches for almost a hundred yards. Like this is the kind of this is the kind of season Travis Kelsey's having. But what I loved about this game was it finally showed us what this offense is and can be when they have everybody. You saw Sammy Watkins come back. He didn't put up big numbers. He had like forty-two yards. (laughs) But the fact remains, this is, and and I'm not saying this lightly, guys. This is the greatest offense I've ever seen in my life. It is because it's so easy for them to score points. It is even easier for them to drive down the field. I mean, the Buccaneers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. The the Chiefs couldn't get anything on the ground. They Mm. couldn't get a damn thing. Which is funny, yeah. Whether it was Clyde Clyde not being able to hit the A gaps and B gaps or whatever you want to call them, or or it was the fact they were just outdoing the offensive line of the Chiefs. The Chiefs were still, they still got over 500 yards of offense in Tampa Bay after a loss, which everyone talks about. Oh, the Buccaneers, they average 38 points a game. They're incredible defensively after losses. They come back and they answer. And the Chiefs went in there and imposed their will from the very first snap. This game, although, again, it was only a three point victory at the end, I think if you watch the game, that, just look at the box score, but if you actually watch this game, you saw that the Chiefs are at a completely different level than the Buccaneers are. And the Buccaneers are one of the more respected teams in the entire NFL. And the Chiefs went in there and took care of business swiftly, soundly, and quickly. And although we got a lot more thoughts on this game, I'm sure you guys can go ahead and take it away. For me, I actually loved this game. I actually loved how the Chiefs pulled this one away because it also showed us that when they need to in big moments in crunch time, Patrick Mahomes is going to shine each and every time. It wasn't a touchdown that he got at the end. He just sealed the victory with a first down to who else but Tyreek Hill. Right. So it was. I was very satisfied with this victory. I slept great that night, um, and I feel like that this offense is only going to get continue to get better because you saw Le'Veon Bell get used utilized a lot more, and I think that that's only going to continue as the playoffs draw closer and closer. Yeah, a cool little experiment to do as a as a film junkie would be to go watch the go watch this past game. Go watch the Bills game, and then go watch that Broncos game. Yeah, tell me that's the same team. <laughs> the right? three ways we won those games. The <laughs> one was an absolute onslaught defensively, and Pat didn't have to do shit, and they ended up putting Henny in there. Yeah, and uh, and then we ended up, and then the, obviously the passing onslaught last week, and then the the absolute run game just galore <laughs> against Buffalo, and just completely owned the clock and owned and had you know almost what was it, over two hundred yards rushing that game. Those so. Two hundred forty-eight or something. Yeah. Like that? yeah, I'm just mad about this last game because I predicted Tyreek Hill to get at least four hundred receiving yards. I was close. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad my God prediction I was almost there. Trevor's uh, prediction is the only one that was underwhelming. You yeah, know I mean? I, like- I, yeah, I put two grand on it, so I'm a little pissed about that. <laughs> but um, no, man, I mean, dude, like, 
I agree with you. This is this is if uh, this is one of if not the best offense we've ever watched because, like I just said, the way we win, different ways. But just we know we can just throw the ball every single snap, and you can't really stop it. Especially when we, like you said, we get all our pieces back. But it also at the same time, it's very frustrating because I feel like we should have won by three touchdowns at least that game. Like we were having our way. That entire first half was. I mean, everyone knew the game was over at that moment for the most part until we kind of – I feel like we kind of let up and we kind of – I mean, I know I know that defense is good. They have talent over there, and they adjusted. Um, but still, I feel like, man, sometimes we just – we blow the gates wide open sometimes, and then we let other teams creep right back in, and I don't like that. And I, I don't expect that to continue, especially once we get into the playoffs. We're going to put our, our foot on the throats of these teams – um, but I mean, it, it is kind of just an arrogant way to kind of just show like we can, let's just start this game and blow this shit wide open. You know, we're not going to give Tom Brady any rhythm. We're, we're going to go out here and put the pressure on him right away to throw the ball, which he's not good at anymore. And, you know, put the, like I said, put the pressure on him. And obviously it showed he threw two picks. Um, Brady which, is really elite at handing the ball. Like that. He's <laughs> well, and that's that. also, that's the most frustrating part to me about the entire game when I was watching it. We got our two turnovers and we did shit with them. We right. punted them right away. Three yeah. and outs right away. We don't. We, we, and we only won by three, man. We let Brady creep in there, and we were playing good against him. And we did nothing with those turnovers. We got to capitalize on turnovers. Our defense did what we needed them to do. We created turnovers, which we haven't been doing very good this year. Um, I think three of them, three of the season, is Tyron has three picks, and I think Sorensen has three picks as well. So outside of those guys, we haven't really been creating many turnovers. We haven't been forcing fumbles. Rashad Breeland had one of the best defensive he, plays oh, of the yeah. season for in sure. that game. He sealed he off needed his man that. perfectly. Yeah, he needed that, that play. Uh, I will say, real quick, to counter the – I'm not going to sit here and say that you're wrong at all because mm. you're not. I will say this, though. The Chiefs had a couple mishaps uh, decision-wise, coaching-wise, and execution-wise that could have blown – if these things go right, the Chiefs yeah. score 48 oh, I, points Yeah, in this I already game. know where you're going with that. Uh, you're talking about the first drive. The Chiefs are moving the ball. It's fourth down on the one-yard line. Andy Reid decides to kick a field goal. You have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Go get a fucking touchdown, okay? That's first of all. Yep. And then the last drive of the second, the first half, they did the exact same fucking thing. Yeah. Go get touchdowns in big games. No. You have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I'm, and not to mention the fact that Butker's been shaky this year. So it's not like you have Vinatieri back there. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm so super confident. There's that. Not to mention, they were in the red zone again, fumbles the ball, yep. turns over. Yep. That would have been another touchdown. We're looking at three touchdowns right there, right, that were left on the on the, on the the clock. Not to mention the biggest one of McCall. them all, Patrick Mahomes not putting the ball where he needed to for McColl Harvard. I know it hit McColl in the hands and he needs to catch it. That was a, he was walking in the end zone. He's moonwalking into yeah. the end zone if he hits him in, in stride. Yep. There was a safety about 30 <laughs> yards to the right of him. I mean, it was so bad. No shot. It was so bad. Pat immediately went to Twitter and said, how yes. did I miss McColl? Yes, and he took ownership yeah. of that. Regardless we should have blew them was, out, man. Yeah, regardless And of, what about the Kelsey one? You're talking. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and, and yeah, so you're talking about five uh, potential. Kelsey, man. <laughs> Five, yeah, it hits him. Yeah. He would have had a huge day if he got that throwing five, touchdown. You're talking about he could have ran that shit in. Five touchdowns yeah. left on the board. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying we should have. That's blew how great them. this offense we is. We're sitting here field. talking about a team that left five. That's what's frustrating to me, man. Like we all know that this team is unstoppable when we really, really want to be, and we're we're hitting in all cylinders. But there's just like little things that keep us from like dropping eighty points, and it's frustrating. I want to see it. 
I really want to. Say, I mean, the way we started that so game. That's was why I won't, I won't be the guy that sits here and says that Andy didn't do it. Didn't put his th- oh, foot no, no. on his throat. Pat straight up missed a play. He tried to Pat blow fumbled. them out. Right. Andy Reid tried to blow out the Buccaneers. There was oh, yeah. execution errors. He was whipping it out. And again, like I said, yeah. I, one thing I did not like about Andy is that he went with those field goals. I hate that. I on the road against Tom Brady. Yeah. You go and put it in the fucking end zone. Put the pressure on Tom Brady to score touchdowns. Eddie, what was your thoughts on this game? Takeaway. You know, it was good. Offense, offensive wise, I, I don't have no complaints, man. Yeah. It's you know me every week. Every every week is the same for me. Uh, defense, they, they just stop putting fucking uh, the foot on the pedal. No I don't pressure. know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, they were doing fantastic throughout the whole game, and then fourth quarter they just decided to you know uh, we want this game to be close. Uh, we we're gonna stop playing football. We're gonna stop playing defense. Well, we'll let them score fourteen, and uh, uh, you know there was I think four minutes left when Mahomes got the ball, the ball bag. Four ten. Four ten. So that's still a lot of time on the clock, and, and the Chiefs are not known to you know run down Kill the clock. Kill a lot of clock. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I was like, I we we better not fucking punt this ball because if we do, Tom Brady could be that guy that can take that team down to the 30, 40 yard line and you know yeah. kick that field goal. He's got the weapons, man. He, that, he has the yeah, weapons to do it, sure, man. And sure. I don't know what happened. My only complaint is the defense. The defense needs to just be consistent. They they have not been consistent this whole season. Yeah. This shit's going to bite us in the ass if this defense does not stay consistent. Yes, uh, we win the games and, you know, our offense is fantastic. You know, we, we outplay the other uh, offense and yada, yada, yada. But, like, the defense is just my only big concern. Like those tackles, those 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 tackles, the tackling, bro. Like, yeah, we need like a fucking special coach that can just teach tackling in the fucking uh and practice every day. It's just bad. Grant, I will say Tom Brady made a couple throws that were like unreal. Oh, he made yeah. a couple. There was a, a couple dimes that were like vintage old old Tom Brady, yeah, young. Tom, he, I mean, he like I know he put everything into him. That one he got nailed as he was throwing it. Yeah. To, I think Godwin. Yeah. Up the up the up the seam. Yeah, he was like thirty five yards. It was on the money. So I mean, I mean you got to give it to him. He he's, he played well that second half. And yeah, of course. And, and Mike Evans had a surprisingly good game. Yeah. I did not expect Mike Evans to get us on the. On I'm just saying, man. This defense needs to stay consistent. It, yeah, it's not it's not happening every game. They're they're always either starting slow. Or they start hot and then they just you know say screw it. It we, starts up front. Our defensive we, front has got to get there. It has, That's the point uh, there. Uh, Clark and uh, mm-hmm. Chris Jones. Chris Jones have not been doing anything yeah. this season. I, I don't know if it's the money that Chris Jones got. Uh, obviously, uh, you know the fucking was it the the contract year always comes in clutch every yeah. every year. Yeah. Frank Clark. Fail. Frank Clark is the one that I actually have the bigger problem for with sure. Because even though Chris Jones hasn't. Uh, been at his best he's second at his position in the league in sacks and in pressures yeah only behind Aaron Donald and we're not expecting him to be a sack guy yeah, that's supposed to be no, Frank exactly, Clark's job exactly Chris Jones does upset me in the run game though he's still very bad at the run game he gets pushed off the block he, all the time yeah the he loses game. his gap yeah. uh my my biggest issue though is Frank Clark because he's getting one-on-ones he's not getting double team like yeah. Chris Jones Chris Jones gets double team 47 percent of his snaps right it's almost every other snap mm-hmm. so I understand why Chris Jones isn't getting production like he normally does yeah, yeah. because of the th- reasons like that. Frank Clark is getting one-on-ones and he is getting destroyed on each and, and every drive. And not, not only that, like what was it? Two consecutive uh, roughing the passers and the same drive. Mm-hmm. I think but, it was a roughing a passer and then a uh, legal hands to the face. And they both were, I believe were on third down. But I will say too, I think Sp- I really want to see Spags get a little more aggressive with the blitz packages. I, we, we bring, we bring four, 
frequently. We bring four most of the time. We don't really, I mean, we'll, every once in a while we'll have like a corner blitz or a safety blitz. And I love those because we have two, we have very good blitzing safeties and corners. Uh, Breland's a good uh, blitzing corner and, 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 and uh, Ward's a really good blitzing corner, actually a really good tackler. Um, and obviously Tyron blitzing is a nightmare for any quarterback. So, I mean, I want to see us get a little more aggressive and mix up and do a little more stunts and twists. Yeah. I've been saying this for weeks. We, I just don't see everything so vanilla defensively, you know, and, I, and it's this, just, yeah, it's this frustrating. This defense is so talented that it could right. be ranked number one if they really try. Especially against Tom Brady. You got to yeah, rattle him. Come on, like, yeah. this defense is so talented, like, talent-wise, we're there. Yeah. We, we could have the top three defense. I think it's, I think it's, it's just... I don't I think know. It's a I don't want to sit here and tell you what I know or what I don't know. I just think there is a mentality that, and and it's almost it's almost not their fault. Imagine, I mean, guys, imagine us sitting here next year next to Colin Cowherd or Dan Patrick yeah. every day and doing a show. You're getting everyone's best too offensively well, too. That that and, and, and yeah, you're getting an A plus effort because they know they got to pace Mahomes because they know who's on the other side for sure. Imagine us sitting here with Dan Patrick or Colin Cowherd or somebody that's one of the best in this business. Joe Rogan sitting here, right? And we're all marveling. You know, naturally we'd be like, dude, we're sitting with one of the greats. You almost get comfortable sometimes relying on what they're going to bring to the table. I'm not making an excuse here, mm. but something I notice is that a lot of the time the defense is almost of the belief of let's just keep it to 25 to, you know, 25 to 27 points. Patrick's going to get the job done. Now, even yeah. with that said though, the Chiefs are only allowing around that's, 21 points a game. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Sacks, you can have sacks, interceptions, forced turnovers. All that matters is how many, how much, but, how many points you're allowing in the long this, run. Though. I will yeah. say this, though. Frank Clark had some comments this week about mm -hmm. all I care about is winning. Be the and, best. You know, i got to get Super Bowls and things of like all that. And, yep. you know, sacks aren't my focus. Okay, that's fine. And I don't want to go too deep into this. Show we need, me, baby. We need to get into this exciting game on Show Sunday me. night. But Frank Clark is paid to do that. Yeah. That is That's how he contributes. That is the majority of how you contribute to wins. I mean, what do people defend Frank Clark on? Yeah. He had five sacks in the playoffs last right. year. He helped close we games We know out. he's capable. Okay. We know he's capable. So don't get mad at me yeah. when you're not performing to that level in games right. we need you to. Right. Because as Eddie just stated, that can and will bite you in the ass in some matchups. Not all, but in some matchups. If mm -hmm. you face a team that has a quarterback that can extend drives at any magnitude, say you're in the Super Bowl and you're facing Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you're going to need Frank Clark to play 2019 yeah. playoff football. Mm -hmm. If he plays like he is right now, those defenses are going to get – the Chiefs' defense is going to get obliterated in the Super Bowl by Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Now, Patrick Mahomes can counter that, but you should not have to put that type of pressure on Patrick Mahomes where he's got to put out 385 yards and five touchdowns just to, to win a game. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So the defense – you have two guys on this defensive line that is making over $100 million. There is no reason in the world these guys are struggling the way they are. If they come out and ball out like they did last season in the playoffs, I'm good with it. But my problem is, is that I, I almost don't like this Frank Clark approach that he thinks that he can get away with it like Sammy Watkins does because Sammy Watkins, although is valuable, is nowhere near as valuable as Frank Clark is in the grand scheme of things for this team because Sammy Watkins isn't even the most valuable player in his position on this team. So you're talking about a guy who's on a one-year deal, one-year deal with Sammy Watkins. He can miss a few games and not play great in the regular season, and then ball in the red playoffs, and everyone loves it. Mm. Frank Clark doesn't get that luxury. He's one of the highest-paid players in the league, the second-highest-paid player on this team. He is set to a higher standard. He is held to a higher standard than a Sammy Watkins. So I don't want these bullshit comments. I don't yeah. want to see his face on another milk carton. I, I want to see him out there balling out. Yeah, I will throw another thing out there too. I know. This may seem 
not not like a big deal, but for defenses, especially and defensive players, especially pass rushers, I think I do believe the the lack of fans and the lack of noise um, facing opposing offenses does does take a lot of pressure off of opposing offenses and and, and puts a more pressure on defenses because when you're when you're talking to your guys, you know you're adjusting. Tom Brady hears everything that's being said by the linebackers, by the safeties. He can hear all the communication. You know, he sees guys pointing to where they want to go. You know, Tom Brady's been around way too long. Any experienced quarterback, you know, the big bends, the breezes, the, you know, the rivers, the the Brady's of the world of the league, they're going to, you know, that makes it, that takes a lot of pressure off them. When when there's not that arrowhead noise on top of you, we all know that arrowhead noise on top of opposing offenses pushes and just creates a new, a, a, a different kind of energy for defensive players. And I think that being absent this year does well add more pressure, I negative pressure this. to the defense. I, you know what? I think you, I think you're onto something about that because three of Frank Clark's four sacks this season, mm-hmm. guess where they're at? Arrowhead. Arrowhead. Yeah. Where he has at least some crowd noise. Yeah. That's that, a great point. For I defensive that. players, that's huge. Three man. of his four that, like, sacks. It's an, it, it gives you an extra boost of energy. And like gives you a little kick in the ass. It, it, that's a real thing, man. Yeah. Now, now this this is we're gonna we're gonna segue into the next game where Frank Clark can make some things right. Got it. Got to be a get right. The week. Chiefs are going against the Denver Broncos, who are, I think, in maybe the worst position right now amongst Not all NFL good. teams yeah. outside of the Ravens. Obviously, the Broncos have no identity <laughs> at this point. You have they have no identity. They have no inspiration from a young quarterback. They have Von Miller's gonna be out and he's aging as it is and won't be back next season with Denver. Then go to the Chiefs. We'll we'll visit that another <laughs> time. I'd welcome it honestly. Yes, that'd, be, sir. that'd be great to have, you know have the twilight of Von Miller because he'd still be better than you know eighty percent of the guys out there. Um and he would be driven to oh, yeah, another baby. ring. But yes, the point sir. is well, I'm not gonna get to fantasy <laughs> land right now. But the point is the Broncos are coming to this game with zero hope. Uh, they're coming into Arrowhead Stadium on national television. Uh, just to cut to the chase, guys, this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And Sunday I, night football. I, I know, I know that you know the Chiefs blew out the Broncos uh, by tw- was it twenty seven points the last time in Denver. Um, wasn't a close game. Won by special teams and defense primarily. They scored three touchdowns. Chad Henney had a rushing touchdown. Defense com- combined. <laughs> That's how bad right. that night was. <laughs> right, it was, that, it was that bad. Chad Henney spiking it. This game is going to be almost <laughs> the exact same. But differently in how it happens. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have four or five touchdowns in this game. Mm. Uh, reason being, the last time the Broncos, and I know people don't think this stuff matters. It does matter. The last time the Broncos and Chiefs played, Patrick Mahomes wasn't leading the MVP candidacy. Russell Wilson was. Now that the Chiefs know that they are guaranteed to make the playoffs, they're guaranteed to win the AFC West, and they're more than likely going to get that one seed because the Steelers are going to slip up. They've been showing their ass constantly in games. We can talk about that if we want to. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes now is on a mission to exude, to basically uh, lay down his dominance on his opponents. If you've noticed over the last month when he started gaining MVP steam, what has what have the Chiefs been dialing up? Pass play after pass play after pass play yep. after pass play. Pick them apart. And it makes total sense because honestly, our rush, our running game is not done great because our offensive line is not built to help the run right now. So I'm not going to blame Clyde and Le'Veon Bell. But yeah. I am fully, and I mean fully, expecting in this game for Patrick Mahomes to have a. I'm going to put it like this: I would, I, I'm going to put more of a belief that he's going to have a game closer to what he just had against the Bucks than what he had against the Broncos the first time. 
where he had 200 yards and a touchdown. I think you're going to see more uh, more of a game closer to the 460s and three touchdowns than the game he had against the Broncos. Because, like I said, this I, I would be very much shocked if Byron Pringle returns another kick and then Dan Sorensen on the has IR. a pick six. I, I'm, just saying, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, oh, having, yeah, yeah. A, having a touchdown from special teams, yeah. having another pick six. Maybe a pick six will come because Andrew Luck's just not a good quarterback. Yeah, But I expect Drew the Luck. Chiefs... What I said, Andrew, Andrew Luck? Luck? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Drew Luck. He was pretty good. Not yeah. Drew Luck. <laughs> Drew Luck. Yeah. Is, he's not a good quarterback. I yeah. think he's going to struggle in this game, obviously, because the Chiefs are going to show out on national television. They'll have their fans, some fans there. They're at home. They're feeling good about themselves after a big win in Tampa Bay. I think you're going to see Patrick Mahomes solidify, if he hasn't already, solidify the MVP by getting about 400 yards and about four or five touchdowns in this game. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, I'm with that 100%. I I will say, last time he played them, I know Mahomes didn't have the stats because he didn't need to. But at the same time, when Pat was on the field, he we didn't play very good offensively either, though, because Bradley Chubb's ass was getting on Mahomes' ass all night long. Um, and I think I do think we're going to get the ball out quickly. I really all season I've really wanted to see this West, this true West Coast offense really emerge. It just really hasn't been that. It hasn't. There hasn't been a lot of passing to the running backs. I really want to see more of that, but we haven't really seen any of that all year. And I think it's because of our O line. I think our O-line's been Or the fact bad. that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey have a career year. No, 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 that's true. That's true. But, I mean, Andy Reid is notorious for for passing to his running backs, you know, and Dinky and Duncan and having wheel routes to his running backs. I mean, we saw Kareem Hunt. We've seen with Anthony, Anthony Sherman, for Christ's sake. Uh, so, I mean, I, I want to see more of that, but I just don't know if we're going to see it maybe until the playoffs. I would like to see us put that on film, uh, for the you know, to give these other coordinators something else to think about and worry about. Um, I, would, I don't even know. Clyde, I know, has been dealing with the illness. So we might see a little more Levy on Bell this week, um, but I mean, we might as well just keep doing what we're doing. Similar to what the Steelers are doing, I mean, they're just throwing, you know, fifty plus times every week, and it's working. You know, if unlike Ben Rosberg throws fifty one, yeah, throws fifty one times, they score one offensive touchdown. And he had like barely like two hundred fifty <laughs> passing yards, something like that. Yeah, it was strange. A lot of dinking and dunking Against over the, there. The Baltimore COVIDs. I mean, how do how do you, <laughs> one touchdown, you score one offensive touchdown? Yeah, they had the COVID schedule. They've been yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah. I do think we're going to put up points. I, there's nothing this defense really outside of Bradley Chubb. Uh, there's not much in that secondary that's going to slow our weapons down, especially with having Sammy back at this time, uh, fully healthy. Uh, McColl out there, you know. I just think that there's just no there's no chance. Uh, it's just really about how much are we going to win by. Yeah. Um, that's the real question. I do think we win obviously by double digits. I don't know if we run it up on them. I do think Pat wants to win MVP. I do think that's a thing. I think Tyreek wants to be the leading receiver in the league. I think that's a thing. And I think Kelsey wants his thousand yards again this year. And I think that's a thing. Um, I want, I think these guys both want all through this trio want to make a name for themselves and, and, and solidify themselves as by far, hands down, unquestioned the best trio in the league and they, which they already are. I think, I think most people would say that they are, um, but I think they, they, they still have a chip on their shoulder. Obviously Tyreek still has that chip on his shoulder. Um, coming out talking about you know that that Ramsey quote. And he lost in endorsements too because of the no. crap off the field too with right. his ex. So massive chip on, especially on yeah. Tyreek. Kelsey already knows. You know Kelsey is the most like I've said all year is the most reliable and consistent offensive weapon in the entire league. Um, there's and I know you heard Dan Orzlowski talking about he's the best. Yeah, I disagree. With that, I disagree with that too. But I love the praise. I, I like love it. the support. But Dan Orzlowski is kind of like a, a slave to the moment type guy. Yeah. Um, he was all in on Wentz and still defended Wentz. But anyways. Um, you can't convince me that 
any right. player outside of Patrick Mahomes is better than Aaron Donald. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Aaron Donald. <laughs> Aaron Donald's yeah. Travis Kelsey probably not even the third best, fourth yeah. best. I think I still would you know love Travis, but let's, put, put that's a couple guys. Orlovsky yeah. was. Ridiculous I still think Christian McCaffrey went healthy is by far the a better player. Alvin Kamara. I mean, come on, bro. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Alvin <laughs> Cook. I mean, we yeah. Derek <laughs> fucking Henry. I mean, yeah. we can go there. We can go down um, that list. So yeah, I mean, I love Kelsey as my guy, but I I disagree with that. But anyways, back to this game, I do think it's going to be a slaughter if we want it to be. I can also see this being a game where we get up by twenty. And the second half, we just kind of coast. We're probably going to see Henny at one point. I just I don't think because there's there's no chance these guys are going to beat us. We've Patrick has never lost to these guys. I think we're going to get it by twenty plus and just kind of coast the second half. I Ironically, think that's what I think is going to happen. Broncos of all teams that he's ever faced, the Broncos have sacked him the most for yeah. sure. I I wouldn't be surprised if they the Broncos keep it quote unquote close mm. uh, like they did in the first half in Denver. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it close for one one half again. This at the end of the day, you're playing a AFC West opponent, and somehow AFC West opponents play great against the Chiefs, mm. uh, defensive wise, offensive wise. But we know what Drew Locke is made of. We know that's not going to be a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know even if our defense is having a shit day, they're still going to be amazing in this game. Yeah, uh, there's really nothing you can. You can do at this moment unless there's like uh you know like witchcraft and all that involved. <laughs> but I mean, like you guys said everything that there's need to be said. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's just really I don't see any way where the Broncos come out with the W in any scenario. Like the world has to be ending in the middle of the game. And you can't even say if Patrick Holmes gets hurt because he got hurt last time they won thirty to six. Exactly. Right. With <laughs> was it nine sacks that game? <laughs> And they had a better quarterback back then with Joe Flacco. So, so I mean, uh, unless this defense decides to like completely not show up and actually let Drew Locke just slap him silly, yeah. I honestly don't see. I mean, if Jerry any... Judy's out, the guy we got to worry about is Tim Tim Patrick. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying. I, yeah, I mean, unless unless Drew Locke, like one-legged comes out. Noah fan. Like, come on, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's that's our thoughts on both of those games, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. We need to get to you guys, though. It's time for the Monday Mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. Each and every week, what we like to do is give you guys a little bit of an opportunity to take over the show and take over for an entire segment whatever you guys are heated on wanting to discuss your debates your topics your discussions your questions your concerns in the world of sports we give you guys that time to bring it to us and we try to bring you down from your frustrations eddie what is in the monday mailbag this week all right man we got quite a bit of questions uh questions asking on questions uh first question comes from uh, tommy carpenter uh he actually has a I believe one, two, three questions. Uh, first one has Robinson overtaken Hardman in the in Reed's uh, uh, favorability? Uh, update on Thornhill's progress and has Frank Clark been relevant? First question, God, I hope not, um, because I am one of the few people out here that is willingly criticizing Demarcus Robinson because of a lot of bonehead plays he makes in games. You want to talk about leaving a touchdown on the field. He did that in the Buccaneers game if he just kept running instead of running out of bounds. Nevertheless, yeah. uh, no, I don't think he's taking over because McCole Hardman is the guy they took in the early second round of the 2019 draft. I think that they're going to do everything in their power to utilize him in the best way possible. It's just a matter of time and when he becomes the player that he's going to be. 
Uh, the second question about Thornhill's progress. A lot of debates, a lot of discussions about what it is that's actually going on. I think that Thornhill has just slightly regressed a little bit just because he, I think he overachieved a little bit in his rookie year. I think he played exceptionally well. Then towards ACL, and he's had some setbacks physically, and I think mentally as well. I think that he's just right now just a second too short, or a second too slow mentally and physically, and the Chiefs are trying to get him back into the swing of things a little bit quicker. I think he's played really well against bad teams, but against good passing attacks, he has well, struggled this season. stealing a lot of snaps from Sorensen's not whiffing on tackles. That's, that is, that's the biggest knock that's on the biggest Thornhills thing. is that's missing the, this defense, Yeah, this defense needs tacklers, and Sorensen's one of the more fundamental tacklers on this defense. Yeah. Um, and the third and final question about Frank Clark, is he irrelevant? Is, that... is he relevant? Oh, he's relevant. We talk about him every single week. I mean, Frank Clark, because of his failures to this point of this season, is relevant. Because like, has he, he been relevant? Has he been relevant in games? No. He's been, like I said, he's been on a milk carton. But his absence makes him relevant because of the fact that it's front and center. They traded a first-round pick and then gave him $100-plus million dollars. To, to get Frank Clark, they were they were treating him as if he was a number one pass rusher for this defense, and he has not been that. So, yeah, it, that he's relevant in the fact that he's underperforming. He's irrelevant in the fact that he's underperforming. There's there's a lot of things going on with Frank Clark right now that he needs to fix, man. Um, yeah. So the first question, it, it's not possible for for Robinson to overtake McColl because he's been on the field more than McColl all season. McColl is the one that needs to overtake Robinson. Robinson's been on the field, and he's gotten more targets. He's had way more snaps. I mean, it just is what it is. I know McColl missed a game, but McColl's not favored over Robinson. He hasn't been all year. Um, last year, he had the big plays and the touchdowns, but still, even last year, he was outsnapped by Robinson. Robinson's been the guy on the field more, so he needs to overtake Robinson. It, that's the, that's the, the question's asked in the wrong order. So, um, I, obviously, we all think, we all know that McColl's the more talented guy, and he deserves to be on the field more, but... He needs to get his routes right. He needs to get his timing right. He's breaking at the wrong times, and that's why that's why a lot of times Pat's missing him is because he's not breaking hard enough or quick enough or at the right time. The timing is just off, and he's still he's still kind of an experiment at this point. He's obviously our absolutely raw talent and a gifted dude, which is why he was so great at kick returns because he's just that gifted. Um, but yeah, I, I I I just think the question was asked the wrong order there. But um, as far as the Frank Clark thing. He's obviously relevant because any any offense coming in has to worry about him. Any any offense coordinator knows you have to worry about Frank Clark. The thing is, man, the real question is, is our defensive front relevant? We're not getting pressure. I don't know if it's strategic. I don't think it's strategic. I think we need to get there. Like I said a couple segments ago, we need to mix up the blitz packages. We need to get a little more aggressive and at certain times. Not a lot, but at certain times when, you know, on third downs, I want to see us you know, do an all-out blitz every once in a while. Go nuts. Let's get there. Let's get a sack. I, we, there's just not enough aggression on this defense, period. And I think that's where uh, uh, Frank Clark thrives is when the shit talk starts happening. And, you know, he he he, he builds up his own momentum. He self-motivates himself. Uh, I want to see more of that, Frank Clark, the more trash talk. He's been pretty quiet, and it's pretty frustrating as a Chiefs fan to see quiet Frank Clark. That's not the Frank Clark we want. Um, and then the other question was Thornhill. I, like I said, I just think Thornhill – Thornhill's been fine – um, he's just not been on the field as much as he was, you know, previously last year before he got hurt. Um, and Sorensen's been playing good, man. Like Sorensen's been one of the bright points of this defense. 
he's one of the, the he's been one of the major playmakers on this defense this year. He makes plays when he's out there, and I think that's why he's been on the field more because I think he's been better than Thornhill. I think Thornhill will obviously progress and get better, um, but Thornhill's been missing uh, uh, um, open field tackles, and you can't do that as a safety man. You got to win your one on ones. You got it when you got a guy one on one in front of you, and Tyron's been pretty shitty at it too this year. Tyron's been. There was a couple of plays. I think I don't know if it was last game or the game before. He's like shadow boxing and slapping with dudes. I'm like, what are you, dude? What are you doing? At least drop down and grab ankles and get him down. Collecting rent, bro. Yeah, I, we've been playing pretty soft, and I think that that goes all the way around. But Sorensen's been one of the few guys out there cracking people and making plays. So I just think that Sorensen's been better this year, and I think that's why they've been you know 50 50 rotating snaps. Um, but I think Thornhill moving forward to the rest of the year is going to be fine. I think he's going to make plays and. uh He's just got to get his confidence up after that injury. All right. Uh, Donnie Couch. Hey, guys. Hope you're having a great day today. How good is the Chiefs? Uh, how good is this offense when all cylinders are firing? We kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've already said it. When, unstoppable. Yeah, they're the un- yeah. most unstoppable offense I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, is, my, is Mahomes Michael Jordan? No. <laughs> I, I I hate the comparisons. I, He's I Steph Curry, if anything. Well, I just hate the comparisons, period, because it's a different sport. And yeah. if you want to talk about, like, uh, relevance, dominance, things of that nature. Sure. All I know is he's Patrick Mahomes. You can you can sit there and say that oh he's this guy or this guy. To me, he's one of a, one of a kind. He's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, cross sport comparisons are a little silly at certain points. Yeah, with MJ, that's kind of yeah. Uh, Donnie Couch, are you happy with how well Anthony Hitchens has played this year? Yes, I am. Anthony Hitchens has been quietly effective. He's been an incredible tackler. I and he's going to be back next season. He's under contract, so the Chiefs are going to keep him anyway. Yeah. So he might as well play well. And I love what Anthony Hitchens has done this season. He's had by far his best season as a Chief. Efficient, not missing tackles, insanely. He stays healthy. Uh, I, I I like what I've seen from Hitchens. Yeah, he's he's been way more aggressive this year, yes. and more vocal. You hear him out there yelling and stuff. And like last season, he wasn't that guy. And I think I think he knows that he's not like the young guy anymore. He's kind of like the veteran now. It'll be thirty in a few months. Right, yeah. right. So I think he has like that more of like a captain-ish type feel to himself. Now I think he's just kind of fine, kind of hitting his stride in this defense. And I think obviously the addition to Willie Gay um, also lit a fire into him to kind of like take him under his wing and kind of like be that example for Willie Gay to, you know, look at and have someone, you know, kind of as a mentor. So I think he, 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 I think that lit a fire into him. Yeah. He's definitely been noticeably more aggressive and uh, I hope he keeps it up. And because we need, we need linebackers to, to make plays. Cause that's, that was our, by far our biggest weakness last year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to see him out there be getting a little mouthy and chippy. You know who I, who I think it has, is having a good, good year despite not having that many snaps or anything is, uh, naughty. Derek naughty. Oh yeah. He's I a third down, a uh, good run stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Good he's run been, stuff too. He's, he's been, been very good. He's been good. This especially, year, yeah. especially for the chiefs drafting him and they had very little expectation. expectations. Exactly. Him and Lord Jarius Sneed, man, I'm telling you, those guys have been those diamonds in the rough the Chiefs have found late in the draft. Yeah, yeah he could potentially be a star yeah. in the next few years. He's a third round guy or third uh, down guy right now. But yeah, if he continues to excel, the, yeah, in the next few years he could be a star if, yeah. if he keeps on going he's the way he's consistent. going. Yeah, very yeah. consistent role player. All right, uh, Tony Couch, uh, Matt Lane of Airhead Pride said the Chiefs have a bottom five O line right now. Is that an overreaction? No, it's not an overreaction because the offensive line painfully has obvious. been awful. Yeah. This is why it's. This is why I said after the Bills game when everyone saw the offensive line was fixed, I'm like, you guys need to stop. The Bills have one of the worst front sevens in the NFL. Their their defensive front seven is not good, and the Chiefs ran all over them, and it was not because the offensive line was great. Did they have a good game? Yeah, they played DeVry University's front seven. Yeah, they they played really well. 
You know what I mean? So, yeah, of course they're going to have a good game. No disrespect, but okay, here's the thing. If they had another game like that at any other point of this season, you have a case. They don't. Mm-hmm. So Nick Allegretti and, and Ryder and these other guys, they're, they're, they're solid pieces, you know, that you're bandaging together. Are they long-term answers? No. These are not guys I want to see protecting Patrick Mahomes for the next five to ten years. Not a chance in hell. They need to get better at tackle. They need to get better at guard. They need to get better at center. This they need. If it was my way, if I was running this team right now, I I I would I would think about Mitchell Schwartz. Depending on how his back heals up, he'll be he'll be thirty one next season. Yeah. So you have to think about that. I don't want Eric Fisher uh, after next season. I would love it if they moved on from him and Lucas Niang can maybe take over the right or left tackle. They just drafted him. I think he's super talented out of TCU. The Chiefs have to use next year's draft, offensive line heavy, get the best free agent available, go get go get yourself some protectors for Patrick Mahomes. The weapons are there. They're not going anywhere. Sammy Watkins will probably be back again in the next season. McCall Hartman will advance. Travis Kelsey will still be great. Tyreek Hill will just be entering his prime. Go protect Patrick Mahomes. That is what I want to see. So, yes, it is not an understatement. In fact, Matt Lane is 100% correct. This offensive line is struggling and struggling to protect Patrick Mahomes. And if he wasn't so mobile, we'd be devastated. Exactly. If, uh, imagine if Patrick Mahomes wasn't the best quarterback facing the blitz. Imagine if we didn't. Imagine we had Phillip Rivers sitting back there. <laughs> you know, imagine we had Kirk Cousins sitting oh, back there. God. Well, you know, a guy that's not mobile, a guy that does Top not know rate. to read the blitz. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we had a, a statue back there. We're so lucky to have Pat. But it sucks because there's there's – as great as his offense is, it has untapped potential still. There's untapped potential still because Pat doesn't have the comfortability yet to sit back and make plays at you know, at least give him 10 chances, 20 chances a game, maybe to have a little over two seconds to make a play in the pocket. That just doesn't happen, and it's not a reality, and it's not fair to Pat. Because imagine it's honestly stifling not only it's stifling the the rookie season of Clyde because Clyde could be having a much better uh, uh, offensive de- uh, rookie debut this year because he's, he's had to commit to a lot of pass protection for Pat because of our O-line deficiencies. So it, it, the, the the game starts in the trenches, man, the defensive line and the offensive line. So we, we I fully expect moves to be made this next offseason uh, in the draft and free agency. I fully expect it. So, but yeah, I mean, our offensive line has been bad, man. There's no way around it. Hopefully, Schwartz, gets back here and is, and is 100%. Hopefully Eric Fisher steps it up down the stretch. And, you know, that's kind of all we can hope for. We had two starters opt out at the beginning of the year. It's not a great start, and it's shown. Um, so, yeah, lucky. Luckily, we have the best quarterback in the league, man. All right. Uh, Donnie Couch, did the Chiefs take their foot off the gas? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think I think we have seen it. And so when you see the offense not score consistently, you automatically assume that's what they did. Andy Reid was dialing it. He was dialing it. Do I think that Andy Reid made a mistake on taking the field goals of the first and the last drive of the first half? Mm. Yes, 100%. You have Patrick Mahomes. You don't have Alex Smith anymore. If you have Patrick Mahomes out there, let him go for the touchdowns. Let him go for the touchdowns because what, what's the worst that happens? You don't get the conversion, and Andy or, and Tom Brady's pinned back at the zero-yard line, so he has, to, he has to backpedal in the end zone. Great. I love that thought. So, to me, you got to go for touchdowns. I think that was the only mistake Andy made. But, again, McCole Hardman – House call for 80 yards yeah. if he makes that catch. Patrick Mahomes doesn't fumble in the red zone in that what the fourth drive. You're talking about another touchdown. There was four or five touchdowns left in that game. Andy Reid dialed up. He had a great, great game. Andy Reid and and Bienemy came in that game prepared. And so no, I don't think they took off. I just think the execution was lacking. Yeah, that's I mean, I echo that 
hundred uh, percent. There was just there was just so many points left on the on the field, and when you leave points on the field, that that tells you that we were attempting to score those points, and we had the plays in hand. They just weren't executed uh, to where they could have been points. So yeah, we just honestly we we were aggressive the entire game, um, but the score just doesn't show what we were putting on film for sure. All right, Donnie's last question: Is it time to change the roughing the passer rule? Uh, I would love to know what exactly he means by that because there's it's a lot of nuance to that. That mm. that that rule is yes because it, it isn't equal for every quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you'll see guys that are middle tier quarterbacks and worse. They just get laid out all game long, and you don't see them get a single flag. Patrick Mahomes, there's a fly on his helmet, and that thing flies off of it. And they they throw a flag at the fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and I love it because it's protecting <laughs> uh, our superstar yeah. quarterback, and we, we get that guy now. You know, yeah. Tom Brady got that for twenty plus years. It's it's our guy's turn to get that. So um, I, I do think I would I what I would like to see is more training for the what needs to happen first of all. If we can go to the origin of all this, it all starts with getting more full time referees, more full full time officials. There's a lot That's of officials here that are part time yeah. officials. The this needs to be their full time job. So when the season's over, they're training constantly. You know I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but they have scores. For every uh, 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 official and umpire, mm-hmm. and whoever has the bigger scores ends up uh, uh, officiating the the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. So I like that. That gives incentive. That doesn't take away from the fact that a lot of these guys don't are still not as sharp as they could be and should be. So uh, roughing the passer is one of the bigger calls because it, it is a backbreaker for a defense and it is a, a momentum shift for the offense because mm. most of the time it always seems like they, they happen on like a third and 18 and you know there's a little dump off pass goes for you know three yards and then he gets hit in the head and it's an automatic first down yeah those are backbreakers so you want to make sure you're calling those right because if you don't you're going to get a lot of people fucking pissed at you and your grade i can't help but wonder if your grade's going to be dropping because pff probably does those grades but who knows the point is, yes, I would like to see these things be a little bit more nuanced, and I would like to see them uh, progress as a league and train their officials better. If they do that, I think they're going to see more accurate, proper calls be made. Yeah, it's just it's just call them consistently, you know, and what and you know what is and isn't roughing the passer, uh, what is or isn't a late hit, what's an actual blow to the head, or what's an inadvertent contact if a guy's pushed into a quarterback. That's not necessarily his fault. I've seen some calls like that where a guy was shoved into a quarterback and he actually made contact with him and knocked him down and landed on top of him, but it was inadvertent. It wasn't even his momentum. That was it was it was the momentum of the other player from that team, the offense that was pushed into the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really just about. I mean, and that's a tough call to make. I mean, there's a lot of tough calls. There's these this not an easy job, man, being an official in the NFL. Um, but. Yeah, just just you know, give Pat all his calls. Make sure he gets all those, and then you know, with everyone else in the league, you know, just kind of find you know what you think is a, a um, you know bad call or or a good call. Um, just make sure Pat gets all of his. That's all that really <laughs> matters. So, I mean, any like you said, fly touches the, the helmet. You know, it's throw that you throw that flag. Yeah. You throw that flag at a player. You, get you the throw fly it right slot, at him. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there was, there's some touchy ones we've seen this year, but I think honestly, overall, man, I think the officiating has been pretty good this oh, year. I could not disagree anymore. I, I think, no, I mean, from the most of the football I've watched, I mean, I know we've had some bad calls in our game, but it's not like I've watched a game where the, the calls are just super lopsided and the calls are bad or they're really good. They're really good for both teams or they're really bad for both teams. Yeah, I, 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 just, I don't think I've seen a call like be decisive of a right. game so far this year. 
Right. There right. hasn't been like a really lopsided penalty type game unless the teams like like unless it's like the Jets or something. They well, have like twenty the, penalties. The, the Patriots game last week, you could make the discussion that Cam Newton hit out of bounds, mm. get put them in field goal range. They won the game on a field goal. Yeah. Like three seconds later. Did so, they still win though? That's why they no, won. Yeah. Well, because oh, he ran out of bounds. Yeah, okay. There wasn't gonna be enough time. They were gonna have to probably go for a deep shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets hit out of bounds. Supposedly, it was debatable. He was he was going out of bounds. But he wasn't out of bounds yet. Yeah. Dude lays him out. He he sauced it a little bit too. He kind of threw himself, and yeah. then they got the fifteen yards, put themselves in field goal. Uh, but I just I just think if they can start calling in consistently, and players are becoming more aware aware of what they're supposed to do, you know, in those moments. But a lot of times, man, when you're in the heat of the moment, yeah. you're not thinking right. right. You know, you right. just want to hit somebody hard and make a play. You know, especially if you're losing. So it's yeah, just right, find question. a consistency. Next question, uh, Billy Hodge. Uh, how can we Ooh. just uh, we can't just close uh, games out? I think the Chiefs do. Their last two victories, they closed them out. Patrick Mahomes game when he drive against the Raiders, and they got the first down against the Bucks and made the clock run out. The Chiefs, guess... Chiefs close games out. I think the question, I think what Billy is really saying, and I don't want to speak for Billy, but I think what he's actually saying is, why can't the Chiefs just put opponents away yeah. where yeah. they're blowing them out? And I, I, I'm with, I'm with Billy on that. I think that it just comes down to, like I said, execution. You get of all the four or five touchdowns the Chiefs left on the field, you just get one of them. If McCall Hartman catches that ball at mm. one point of that game, it's thirty-four to ten. Yeah, that's putting an opponent away, even if they score another touchdown or two. Because the, even though the game on scores at the end of the game, the box score looks close. When you're up thirty-four to ten, you're up four scores, so the game's over at that point. Most yeah. times, you're ninety-eight yeah. percent probability to win, mm -hmm. especially with Patrick Mahomes your quarterback. So in that regard, I'm with Billy one hundred percent. I don't like it. I, to answer your question. I, I don't think there's an actual science as to why it is because I think it's different for each and every matchup. The Buccaneers game came down to execution. Uh, the Raiders game is a matchup thing. I think it's because the Raiders and Chiefs just match up well against each other. They're a tough matchup for the Chiefs. We'll talk about that in a second. But the point is, is I think every single one has a different meaning, a different reason, a different way of getting to that result. The Chiefs just need to – just execute. if you ask me what the one thing is, it's just execution. Throw the ball more accurately than McCall Hardman. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, don't run out of bounds. Travis Kelsey, you know, all these other things. You put those things together, you're winning 55 to fucking 24. It doesn't even matter at that point what the Buccaneers do. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we've lost once. So, I mean, we're, we're taking care of business. We're closing out games. Um, and I think I just think, I honestly, I just think there's a different feel to this team this year. We're the defending champs. We've already won the Super Bowl. We have one goal in mind, and that's to get back to the Super Bowl. I just think each one of these games bi-weekly, we're, we're just trying to get the win get out healthy, maintain this roster, and repeat as champions. That's the end goal, and I think that's what everyone is focused on. I don't think we're trying to go out there and drop, you know, win by 30 every week. We could – we absolutely could do that. We absolutely – if we wanted to sell out, you know, and, and be the team because, you know, we're not hungry to be that team. We are the team, you know, so we don't have to go out there and prove anything. We have nothing to prove. We're the defending champs, and we're trying to go repeat as a, as, as a champ. That's the only goal, and I think that's what everyone's focused on. Can that create, you know, uh, 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 an autopilot mode sometimes? Absolutely. And Pat, Pat is included. And, and obviously, we've seen it from Reed take his foot off the pedal when we get a nice, comfortable lead and teams sneak, sneak back in because we're getting the best from uh, from each offense that we face. So, yeah, I mean, that, we close out games. We've lost once. I, to me, I believe he's, like, uh, asking, like, uh, just this past week against the Bucks, like, we didn't close out that game because we let Tom Brady get – uh, get close by three point 
Well, we didn't points. really though because we left all those points. We just we just had miscommunications offensively that should have blown that game wide but open. That's what I'm saying. I think that's what he means. Like, why can't we close that game out? We were doing such a great job to where we could have held them that was it uh well, again if we're talking if we're talking about just this one game we know why it's execution yeah offensive wow. execution i'm not even gonna put i'm not even gonna put that on the defense per se because they forced two turnovers like Trump yeah. said earlier we just the, put, the yeah. offense didn't capitalize on both of those turnovers they were both three and that outs. game should have been an absolute the Chiefs offense followed with three and outs after those two turnovers yeah so it was the offense actually as great as an unstoppable as they can be in our most times they're the reason why the bucks got back in that game all right uh billy Hodge, next question Gotta move the little little quicker. All right. Uh, this is a good question though. Uh, is this Frank Clark's last year with KC? It just feels like the money we have on the D that we weren't seeing the result during my overreaction. Oh no, you you can't get out of Frank Clark, uh, Clark's contract until after twenty twenty one. Right. So there's no way he he will a hundred percent be on the Chiefs team until at least the end of twenty twenty one. Yeah, and he's he's gonna be here, and I don't think I think he would do whatever it takes to stay here. All right. Uh, next question, Shaggy Chain. Uh, with Ed Reed going 1948 Rose Bowl on fourth and long uh, on a long one in the Super Bowl, do you think that Andy Reed is holding back future short yards plays for bigger games? Uh, for example, playoff Super Bowls is the reason he kicked a field goal on the opening drive against Tampa Bay from the half yard line. Oh, he 100%. Andy Reed is is a student of football. I guarantee you, he's got some play from fucking 1918. That is barely on film. It's like you know, like the you see like the films, like what was that movie, Trevor, uh, with uh, Ethan Hawke, the the the, the scary movie, Daybreakers. Uh, no, Sinister. You know, oh, he's yeah, like watching yeah. the film and it's like kind of crankling up. And oh, everything yeah, like yeah. that. He's got film of that from <laughs> old school football. They have leather helmets, probably before leather helmets, yep. of them doing some funny ass jigaboo plays or something like that. You know what I mean? Where they got some crazy ass weird ass play that they got. Shit, that- we've already seen Pat run in motion a couple yeah, times this oh, year. Yeah. You know, like, just, just this last week, Kelsey could have thrown a touchdown to Pat. That would have right. been amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got the Jitterbug 101 play yeah. from like 1941 that, that Andy Reid's been holding since, you know, 2003 that he's never <laughs> used. Yes, of course. There's going to be plays like that. Do we expect to see that in San Francisco? The, the 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 Super Bowl against San Francisco? Absolutely not. Have we seen Pat? Do we expect Patrick Mahomes to go into motion on a shotgun play and goal? No. Yeah. But these things happen because Andy Reid is the most creative mind in all of football. That is what happens, and that's why he's so great, and that's why I'm so glad we got him as our head coach. Yeah, he, you already know Andy Reid already has things up his sleeve. We're going to see some before this year is out. We're going to see. Chris Jones probably throw a touchdown or rush a touchdown or something. We're going to see it. There's yeah, always yeah. something, man. So, it was, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, it's Coach Reed, and there's always – he's always keeping things on off on film on purpose. He's very calculated. Whatever he puts on film, he's very calculated. What he keeps off film uh, is very calculated. What he keeps up his sleeve is very calculated. So, heading into the postseason, I always, I'm always ready to see a new play break out. So, All yeah. Right. Uh, next question comes from Billy Hodge, and then we got one more after this. Okay. Uh, when will the UC uh, – Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Bell at the same time? Uh, probably never. I mean, unless, like, again, we talk about one of these weird-ass plays Andy Reid draws up. There's really no reason for that. Uh, I know that, like, uh, from a fan's perspective, you, you think of a play like that and it gets you excited, but what what real package is there for that to, to take place? I, I don't really see the positives in having both of them out there. There's a reason why you went and got Lavian Bell. It wasn't to have him on the field at the same time with – Clyde, it's to be able to balance that out. Once Clyde's out, you put Le'Veon in. Mm. Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm no expert here. I'm not going to be a guy that pretends to know what kind of packages Andy Reid would mess with when it comes to having both on the field. 
there's a reason to me why they both have not been on the field at the same time. It's because of the fact that they both have their own separate packages to work with within this offense. Yeah, I mean, they're both dual threats. They're both great receiving backs. Um, they're both good in space. So you, they, they both have a similar skill set. Obviously, there's a size difference there. But, I, I mean, I, I would love to see that kind of package with, like, Bell out wide and and then Clyde in the backfield. That would be a cool little thing as, you know, Bell is, like, strictly as a receiver to kind of throw and then maybe put Bell in motion. I I'm sure Reed's got things already ready for a, for Lev, a Lev Bell type uh, running back. He's the perfect kind of running back for any Reed. Um, so I, I fully expect us to, towards uh, these next last couple uh, weeks of the season to see a little bit more uh, Lev Bell and maybe more some more experimentation. All right, last question comes from Shaggy Shane. Uh, Broncos uh, running back Philip Lindsay had nine rushes for 80 yards in the first half before Sorensen knocked him out with the Chiefs ahead <laughs> in the game 10-9. If you're Spags, do you put more emphasis on stuffing the run and making Drew Locke beat you this Sunday in Arrowhead? Oh, of course. I mean, you're now now you're looking at Melvin Gordon's gonna have to be the full fledged bell cow in this offense. He you usually know, have, eats against us. Though. Yeah, 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 he does, and that's he what does. I'm saying. That's yeah. why you need to prepare, stack the box, force Drew Locke yeah. to beat you over the top. Especially if Jerry Judy's out. If Jerry Judy's out, and you gotta worry about Tim Patrick. All right. I mean, who's, I, I, he's a talented guy. He's a legitimate, but he's a nine round guy. Well, I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't even matter what weapons, though, that, that Drew Locke has. Game. Yeah. That's the thing. Is it doesn't matter what weapons he has. Drew Locke is yet so to inaccurate. throw a touchdown yes. pass against the Broncos against yeah, the Chiefs. He's so inaccurate downfield. He's yet to throw a touchdown against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I so, would love, honestly, I would love this week just to see Spags tell our guys, just pin your ears back, just go get them. Just sell out, stop the run, blitz like like hell. Just I, I want to see a lot of cool mixed up blitz packages this week. I really, really want to see that. I want to get our defensive lines confidence up. I don't care if it's Drew Lock. Get just get it right. Get that momentum going, man. All right, that's it for uh, Monday Bellback. Good stuff, right. everybody. Shaggy, I appreciate. It. Man, we got two Shaggy Shane questions. Right. That's awesome, man. We got one more order of business, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. <laughs>
I'm going to give a, a, a W. Uh, it, it's not going well. It's Formula One related. <laughs> <laughs> that's F1. Yeah, yeah that's F1. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going directly to like the F, I guess you could say the F1 organization. Um, but it's, it's more towards uh, the, 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 marsh, the race marshals, uh, uh, the, all, all those people uh, that are like on the sidelines uh, doing the flags the and stuff like that, the crews. Mm-hmm. Uh, working the event, you know. Um, so this past weekend, uh, we had probably one of the hardest accidents we've ever seen in Formula One in, in this new modern era, um, crash-wise. And th- there's been multiple crashes where uh, death was something that that happened. But now, uh, you know, death is not as common in mm. F1, but this came super close to uh, a reality again. Uh, Romain Grosjean um, got hit, and he he went straight into the into the into the fence. His mm-hmm. car broke in half, and then immediately exploded into fire where he was at. So he was he was in in this like he went through this barrier, and he was pretty much stuck in there, and he, his car was in flames. Mm. Uh, they immediately stopped the race, but it was uh, the first lap. So the um, there was a fuck. What are they called? Well, there was a car that usually follows the cars just in case of accidents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, so there's a like, like a little Mercedes it's like uh, an ambulance. Car. It's like an ambulance type. Kind of, no, it's a safety car. Okay. We'll call it a safety car that just follows the cars for the first lap, just making sure nothing happens in that first lap. And oh, obviously, true. something happened this lap and. The way the the marshals and these uh, people in the car reacted, they reacted super fast to where they were able to help Romain Grosjean get out of his car and you know pull to safety. Yeah, uh, he did suffer uh, uh, some burns in his hand and his feet. And those I suits are flame retardant, aren't they? Aren't they? Yes, yeah. but it it was so, so hot, hot yeah. that it melted his gloves it into his been skin. Way worse. Yeah, so oh, it melted shit, his gloves man. into his skin. Shit. So. Just the way everybody reacted, not panic, you know, fuel fire. Exactly. So everybody reacted in a a calm, not calm, but in in a, you know, fast pace, but, you know, actually did not panic and knew what to do. Uh, Exactly. Uh, They were able to get him out. I Uh, trained for it. uh, (laughs) They were, they were able to, able to get him out and they asked him uh, like about the whole, like the, cause I believe it was like 20 something seconds that he was, he was in that fire, like in that fire. And he says, like, I was like, I thought about my kids. It was like they cannot lose their dad today. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And and everybody in the, like all the all the drivers when the team when it happened and the team radio, everybody was like, "Is he okay? Is he okay? What's mm-hmm. happening? Was it like why aren't you answering? Is he okay?" And then everybody just telling the drivers like, "We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We don't know yet." Yeah, that's so, scary. Man. I just want to give a, a, a W to to all those that that help him. And you know, made made it possible to where he made it out alive, and yeah. he's still here with us. And For sure, he man. only suffered he he suffered injuries, but not could life threatening injuries. Could have been a lot. Could have been, been a lot worse. So, yeah, okay, yeah kudos. My, funeral right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kudos to that crew, man. It goes it goes out to that crew, the marshals that that reacted fast and we're able to get him out so that's I'll let, I'll let that F1 slide but next yeah. week makes that yeah, shit so, up. Yeah, so uh for me uh those US marshals, not US marshals, those marshals, <laughs> race marshals and uh safety car, 
for me, they're going to have to hold this W. Hold w. Nice. Hell yeah, Trevor, man. who is uh, holding the potential W? I'm not doing a Trevor this week. Oh, um, all right. I'm bringing the dark, negati- I'm bringing the dark negativity back to it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys heard about the um, that Texas football player. Um, Emmanuel Moran. Yeah, Emmanuel. my God, hey, that man. was a great video. I, I know it's, it. I know it's, it's a great video. Jesus Christ, yeah, um, awesome. He had to be escorted by the police because uh, he decided to attack uh, and assault a referee because he <laughs> was ejected. Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna read the article kind of swiftly here, real quick. It says a high stakes Texas high, which is a big time school, and obviously Texas high school football is damn near professional out there. They play, football, yes, bro, so um, they don't play around. Yeah, have you ever watched Friday Night Lights or any of that shit? Yeah. Great movie, by the way. Um, high-stakes Texas high school football game turned ugly on Thursday when a defensive lineman attacked an official after being ejected from the game. Uh, Edinburgh High School took on PSJA High School with a berth, with a berth in the in the state playoffs on the line. So this was a, not only a, a game in Texas high school, this was a huge game for yeah. both teams with the berth on the line. Um, the monitors, Andrew McCulloch was on the scene to cover the game um, and documented the attack. During the first half, Edinburgh player McCulloch identified as defensive tackle Emmanuel Duran was ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct. McCulloch provided video of the incident. You can anybody can go on there and look at. It. I mean, most people I think that's on Twitter has seen it. It's it's, it's crazy, man. This kid obviously is an absolute stud, freak athlete. On he plays multi sports. He's he's mainly known for his wrestling. Yeah. So obviously the kid's strong as shit. Um, if you've ever if you've never seen a ref levitate. There you go. We'll watch that video. Yeah, but I mean, so case in point, I mean, long story short, the kid got ejected and then proceeded to absolutely rip this official official's manhood from his soul. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I mean, imagine being a grown ass official his and the high school kid just absolutely bodies bro. you. And, and not, not only this is not like I said, his this clothes is, were still standing. This still. is his body this is the funny things that the ref saw him too. Oh like, yeah, right before the hit, he looked at him. Yeah, he's like, he was like ah. yeah, you know, yeah, he dropped a loaf in his panties oh, before yeah. that had happened. Yeah, oh, yeah. so, um, yeah, man, so, too. <laughs> yeah, man, it was a, it's a bad scene. It's not funny in in sense because the kids might be charged with assault. Um, his, his football he, career is probably over. Yeah, and the worst part about it all is he's a he, star senior. Well, and, too. and it's not even the worst thing about him individually because he deserves what's coming to yeah, him because yeah. he absolutely made the decision. Um, he also he, he also he also has a, um, a, a an occurrence before that, so he's a repeat offender with something like this. Um, I believe it was on a soccer game that he was playing. I believe he. Was, I, may, I might be wrong. Maybe I have to be corrected. Check fact checking on that. But he has a previous assault. Uh, but the worst part about this whole thing is he ruined it for his team. Uh, the team is not. The team is done. They 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 pretty much ended that team season because oh, I of him. No, no, well, they won. Yeah, but they, they're, they're yeah. The, the 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 high school division, whatever they, they told them, that they, yeah. they got kicked out. Oh, so the entire team, shit. the entire team has to has to reap that, bro. Oh. And in Texas, bro, imagine in Texas, you win the game. Bro, we you were win, athletes. We all three were athletes. Imagine that happening. You win the game. Oh. You you clinch the like playoff. Five to twenty one. You clinch like a playoff berth in Texas high school football, oh. and you don't get to continue the season and may play in the playoffs because of this dumbass. Because he was a senior star. Oh, that is not an L. I don't oh. know what in the hell is. That might just be the end of the show right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. sorry for the rest of the team. That that could be a whole another L. Uh, it was itself. worth it. But oh. Bobcats defensive <laughs> lineman Emmanuel Duran, you're gonna have to do me a big ass favor, buddy, and. Hold, Hold this L. L. Duran, Duran, Duran. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Rough. Hey, man. he got the Rough. last tackle though. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's uh, related to Roberto Duran. You know Moss. Man, he yeah. gave Moss to that stone hand, hands of stone. Yeah. Hey, what my uncle couldn't do, I'm doing. Oof. More Moss. No, that's that's crazy. Dumbass. Dude. Oh, and another W. I'm gonna give it to Snoop Dogg on that. Uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, <laughs> hey, you heard he's starting his own boxing uh, oh, organization. Uh, oh, I hope he does. He is. That was awesome. He yeah. was like, oh Lord. Yeah. When uh, Nate Robinson yeah. got he's got like, oh shit. Out, he was like, oh Lord. Oh shit, that's Tyson about to fuck this nigga. Call, Someone oh, called the ambulance, bro. Shit, it was so good. He bro. was the MVP of that uh, of that he, whole fight card. His, yeah, his legal smoked the competition. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I hope. I really do hope though that they that he said he's supposed to be starting his own thing. So I hope they do that. Well, mine is. Uh, I was thinking about giving it to Nate Robinson, but I just didn't give a shit about that fight. Um, whatever fight you want to call that. I mean, Jake that Paul was, onslaught. Was Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Was that his name? Yeah. Okay. Hey. Jake, Jake Paul whooped I, his ass. Um, I'm gonna, Respect, keep, I'm gonna keep bro. it. I'm gonna keep Connor. it. In, I'm gonna keep it in the NFL. Mm. Um, and it's not even gonna be to a team. It's gonna be to a, a friend of the show. Our guy Raider Cody uh, is is going through it really bad right now. And it's think about <laughs> think about the two week span for Raider Cody. Oh, or just in, in a seven day span, really. You lose a, a close, heartbreaking loss to the Chiefs. Mm. Um, you thought that you had the team beat. Patrick Holmes ripped your heart out of your ass. In your stadium, your brand new Roomba of a stadium, and you're taking moral victories out of that when you called yourself a Super Bowl contender, when you called yourself a team that's on the rise, you're taking moral victories now after taking victory laps around Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> and then seven days later, you broke the spirit. Seven days later, after everyone's sitting here trying to just eat their shorts and just buy and buy and buy up a stock on the Raiders. They go and get blown out by 37 points <laughs> to, to the, the three-win Falcons, Falcons <laughs> who had no star defensive players, who had no Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley didn't even have a big game. That's what's hilarious about this whole thing is that like I think Matt Ryan had like 240 Julio yards. Julio was banged up. Julio didn't even play. Yeah, Matt Ryan had like 240 yards, and, and they gave up. 43 points. Todd Gurley was out. That, Derek Carr put up six. They didn't score a <laughs> touchdown in this game against the Falcons in a dome. Yeah, that was great. I enjoyed it. I mean, Raider Cody, my guy. <laughs> I, I mean, you're you're our buddy and everything. You're sitting here before the season talking about this Raiders team's going to win a 12-win team. Talking about we are Super Bowl contenders. Talking that shit with Chiefs fans. And you go and get your ass, your shit kicked in. By a team that had no business even being on the same field as you. This is a five-win team at best. Mm. The Falcons are bad news. They're on their way out, man. We don't know what's going to happen. Matt Ryan, they have is Raheem Morris going to be their new head coach? Like, we don't know. And this team goes out and blows the brakes off you, man. You guys are supposed to be this up-and-coming team. John Gruden's third year. Derek Carr is in the prime of his life. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. You, you, you. I, I don't know. I don't even know how you did a podcast after that. I, we've, we had that embarrassing loss against the, against the Raiders. We came on here and we took one on the chin. That was rough. Yeah. Imagine, imagine a thirty-seven point loss to the Falcons. At least we scored a touchdown. Good Christ, man. Yeah, we scored a few of them. <laughs> but in the meantime, our guy Raider Cody, I'm sure you're living large and in charge out there, Bubba. Do us a favor here at the Spoken Podcast before you ever come back on and hold, hold this down. Down. Oh, oh, oh. Patrick Mahomes, he, he's kind of mediocre. <laughs> Love you, Raider Cody, but you got to hold that motherfucking R.I.P.
Zach Stevens, man, that was a fun that was a fun time with yeah, our man. guy Zach Stevens from DNVR Sports. I know he's a Bronco guy, but I'm telling you, he's very knowledgeable. He knows his stuff. So if you want to give a follow to the other side of things, guys, he's the guy to go to. He's an awesome dude. And hopefully we'll uh, have him out here in Kansas City next year and we can hang out with him and maybe get some fans together, man, you know, post-COVID, hopefully. We can get back to doing our, our lives and having fun and getting together and We'll do something like that at KCPN and at the Spoken Podcast, too. We'd love to have some get-togethers in the near future. But in the meantime, deal with our voices, deal with our faces on a digital side of things. We really do appreciate all you guys. We'll probably be at Johnny's next week. Um, But, you know, this is always fun to do the podcast side of things where we just go back to our roots. It's never something I uh, hesitate to go back to because I enjoy it. I love it. And I think I sound a little sexier when it's just podcast. That's just my two-piece, but... In the meantime, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you guys enjoy this beatdown the Chiefs are about to send the Broncos and Drew Locke. Hopefully Drew Locke gets to go to his dad's restaurant because that's going to be the highlight of his trip back home. <laughs> we thank you guys, all of our live streamers, YouTubers, and podcasters, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Gat, for Clay Windler, for everybody that helps us keep this thing fun, functional, and sane. I'm Lance Twidwell, episode 93 of the Spoken Podcast. We out of this bitch. See you later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick around for a little bit.